there was this like Christian urban legend, especially with in Jehovah's Witness circles, um, which you can read about online. And we have a friend, a good friend named uh, Riley, um, who grew up Jehovah's Witness, who corroborated this with us. But there was some sort of urban legend among Jehovah's Witnesses that like there was a family that collected a lot of Smurfs figurines and that at one point the Smurfs came to life and pushed the mother of the family into the <laughs> oven while she was cooking. What? <laughs> that which got just traded? Kind of, which just kind of shows like, you know, all these little Ugh. like inanimate objects that are kind of like, they're not exactly false idols, but they are kind of like totems of of life, you know? Um, we Evil. can't really trust those because they do sort of contain a spirit that's not godly. Christian, I'm Sam. I'm Casey. And Casey, this <laughs> this week I was something got me thinking about AOL, Instant Messenger. Um, I think it's because Jill's grandmother still uses AOL for email, <laughs> despite it. Um, I'm not despite sure what's setting up it up when it came with a like on a CD. Yeah, it still comes with a disc. Dude, her <laughs> grandmother is. So, I mean, look, I don't want to single her out, but it's very typical old person shit, right? Like AOL doesn't work like it used to, right? Probably doesn't have the same service that it once had. Uh, they probably have like a few tech people from another country barely making that thing stay afloat. But she could get a call about it and it'd be like, hey, you know, any sometimes it's been related to her email. Oh, uh, we need this or that. Uh, you know, maybe your email's been compromised. We need your credit card number to whatever, make sure that everything's fine. She's fallen for the, we need your credit card number trick a number of times. And it's so funny. Like it's just, it's not cause then it's an ordeal, right? You have to go through and cancel credit cards and stuff. But there was one time where she, uh, <laughs> she got a call. I think I had to do with someone calling from quote unquote Microsoft. And they were like, we need, they needed a credit card for something. And she was like, okay. And gave them the credit card numbers. And then they're like, oh, that one's not working. Do you have any others? And she gave him like three credit cards before they were like, all right, great. Thanks. Or she, no, before she ran out. And it was like, after that, she told my father-in-law when they went down to see, like to have dinner with them. She's like, yeah, they called and said they needed, that was a scam. You gave them every credit card you had. So they had to like go through and cancel all of them. It's not funny, but it's awful. But anyway, they they managed to like purchase anything or what? I don't think so. I think they were able to like get ahead of it, but it's old people are so susceptible to scams. You know, they don't live in a generation where like we know no one will ever call and ask you for your credit cards ever. It just won't happen. And if they do, it's because it's a scam, but they don't know that they're like, they don't know anything about how the internet or their computers work. So they're just like, yeah, if it's broken, I should, I got to pay someone to fix it. Right. So, (laughs) but anyway, the only reason I started thinking about AOL instant messenger for really was um do you did you you used instant i'm guessing who didn't use instant messenger? you used it right uh, just a little bit because you uh, only had I three think, friends at your christian school to talk to. right right when i went to hillsdale i used instant messenger for a minute and it's funny like when i went to to hillsdale i had like reconnected with this guy that was like my friend in kindergarten and first grade i hadn't talked to him forever and uh 
you know, we chatted on there a little bit and stuff. And then I just like, I don't know, two weeks ago, he messaged me out of the blue on Instagram and really happened all over again. It's like two spontaneous reconnections. And that's funny. About every 15 years we're due. (laughs) Dude, I, I, I forgot that AOL that it, I keep saying AOL. Let's just call it Instant Messenger. What am I? Forty-five. Um, I forgot that Instant Messenger was still happening when we were like freshmen in college. But it was because I remember using it in my dorm room a little bit. And I'm trying to think. That must have been the last time I ever signed into it. The I don't last recall time you using. Ever asked it. someone ASL. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, when I was younger, uh, one of the concerns that came up in my homeschool community was i mean aside from the obvious like who are you talking right because i would use it to talk to i would try to find ways to talk to Greg or something like that. i'm sure what i did was not actually flirting but it was pretty crazy for me you know uh and i had a friend though whose parents were like the, the main concern they had was like it ruining their grammar and i don't know if this one came up for you but kids would spell like cool k-e-w-l and shit and uh or whatever you would always try to find ways to do goofy ass spellings and i just remember having a friend and another homeschooled friend and that was like that was the talk of like parents this is bad like the kids are spelling stuff wrong like it's ruining their ability to talk and uh i just find it funny that we're having similar conversations now i mean with social media but that was definitely the least of all concerns with instant message with whether or not you spelled cool c-o-o-l or k-e-w <laughs> like that's a very seen kid move you know what the worst was worse than like the the deliberate misspelling was when people would put an asterisk and then like describe what they're supposedly doing right now yeah oh yeah be like that- asterisk and it'd be like giggled sheepishly into palms because <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have gifts back then dude now you just like put in the right gift beforehand you're like you have to that's the only way to explain what's going on lol doesn't cut it dude you're not laughing out loud. We know it. We know you're not laughing out loud. Asterisk tips fedora to the lady. Yeah. <laughs> Do you still feel silly a little bit every time you type LOL? I I think I've uh, I've grown accustomed to like LOL and emojis are just punctuation to me now. I've fully yeah. degenerated. Yeah. I, I just feel weird about LOL sometimes. It just feels dated. But also I'll use it like when you and I are messaging. We've talked about this before, I think, in messaging, but you switch back and forth between haha and LOL, so you're not just constantly using the same one over and over again. Yeah, like, exactly. Sentence, haha, another sentence, LOL. Because two ha-has just makes you look like a fucking idiot. So <laughs> you got to use the LOL. But with um, with people I don't know well, or like even my parents or something, like texting, it feels weird throwing in LOLs with um with maybe my parents or people I don't. I don't know very well. Even reaching out to people, right, to talk to on the podcast, you know, you might get a conversation going, like with Mike, Mike Valdez. Shout out, Mike, you're the best. Um, you reach out in a very professional way, and then you hear back. And him and I were talking a lot before we got set up to do the episode, and it was like... And you you felt comfortable using LOL with him? I, I got to the point where I did because we had messaged enough. But at first, I'm like... It's going to look like I'm trying to be too friendly. That's what I think it comes off as if you do it too soon. It t- comes off too friendly. And like, okay, guy. Like, Have, have yeah, you guys I, talked enough now that you're to like the raffle stage? Yeah. <laughs> we're, I think we've talked enough now where we don't feel like we have to like each other's comments. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's that's one. Right? Every time you right before you respond, you just like heart their last message, and then you go in for a new one. But now now we don't have those all the time. So I think we've we've leveled up. That's big. You guys are progressing. <laughs> all right. Next order of business. Uh, I did want to talk about because I watched it, finished it today. So we're recording Sunday night, Sunday day. This was a weird experience for me. It hasn't happened in a long time. Uh, my wife took my kids and our quote unquote foster daughter. I don't really know what to refer to her as because she's not technically her foster daughter. I think I've gotten to that before. She's over 18, but she's in high school. The girl you kidnapped. Us. Yeah, exactly. Um, she took her, Jill took her out to go like prom dress shopping. And my daughter got her ears pierced a little while ago. So she was going to bring her to get new earrings because we told her she could after she had those like studs in long enough. And then my son wanted to go. No one wants to hang out with dad. Everyone wants to just like, they'd rather be bored in a car for three hours with mom than spend the <laughs> day with me. <laughs> I guess that's how kids are. Uh, but that meant I had, I had like five hours at the house all by myself. And that's just unheard of. So I, you know, my plan was, I had a plan to get a lot of stuff done. I like, you know, clean my whole house, clean my room, wash my sheets, put clean ones on, hand mop my floors. Dude, I fucking killed it today. But I also had time to sit down this morning, drink my coffee and finish a movie that I started last night. And it was The Matrix Revol uh, Resurrection, the new Matrix movie. I've talked about the Matrix movies before because I love them. And I was crazy disappointed with this and i feel like I, it the was amazing heard, how little i heard about that movie yeah, when it came out yeah i feel like some of the reviews i heard were like it's pretty good maybe better than the last two uh but there was it was just like there was no point for this movie no point at all like it didn't i don't feel like it did anything there were some cool aspects of it like you know the matrix was like what people loved about it was its philosophical takes on life and whatever i don't know that that, that that was what was cool about it in a lot of ways um so this just like it had a couple of good points but man it really did a disservice to the franchise and i was really bummed out about it it's like even recently when i went back and watched the second and third one i was i remember i was younger i was a teenager when they came out i don't know about you but when i was a teenager i didn't have a lot of uh discernment about the quality of films yeah no, definitely not. I remember at one point when, uh, well, when The Matrix came out, there was like all those like sort of knockoff movies that tried to like catch a, catch a piece of that same energy. Like, yeah, rip the ball. Remember the one shit. with yeah, Jet the one Li? with Jet Li. I watched that was what I fucked with all Jet Li movies, dude. That was one thing I loved. <laughs> they were all bad. <laughs> Jet Li, he had some really good ones. But the one was with um, who's the the bald dude? Uh, the action star who likes to do his own stunts. Jason Statham? Yeah, yeah. It was with him. I always hated that guy, but Jet Li made me like that movie enough to to counteract my hatred of Jason Statham. What about Equilibrium? Did you ever see that? I did. It was like the Christian Bale knockoff of The Matrix. And the whole premise was that in the future, uh, like the powers that be were able to like stop all wars and disagreement and stuff like that by making everyone take a pill that like suppressed their emotions. Yes, I did see that. That was pretty good. It was a little on the nose. Yeah, a little bit, but <laughs> I'll take it. What was that? Uh, now back circling back to Keanu Reeves, uh, a scanner darkly. 
when he did that like anime. Oh movie. yeah, that was a dope movie. Oh, I don't yeah. really even was, really uh, remember the premise. That was drug related. Featured the uh, the most amazing actor, Alex Jones. Did it really? Yeah, he's in it. I I don't think I knew who Alex Jones was when I watched that movie. He kind of plays himself. Well, I wouldn't expect much from him. <laughs> That's all I think. Like his entire life was a was like uh like role research for his role in a scanner darkly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised. And like he, he just got so afterwards. deep into the role that like he couldn't pull himself out of it. And method luckily, acting his is character. Finest. Yeah, he Move gets on a whole Day career. <laughs> Uh, or uh, Jared Leto. Fuck that guy. Can that guy just fall off a fucking... I hope one of his roles requires him to fall off a cliff and he doesn't. That's all. Yeah, you have strong feelings I about I fucking Jared hate Leto. Jared Leto. He's so <laughs> awful. He's been really good in some things and then he's made a bunch of turds. Yeah, and he's also just like a piece of shit. But before I knew he was a piece of shit, I hated him. I don't know. He's just... I've, I, I don't know if I've really seen him start to finish in anything i just can't even stand him in ads oh it's like requiem for a dream is amazing movie i actually never saw requiem for well if you want to ruin your weekend yeah give that (laughs) one a shot does that uh it was like a couple years ago there was like talk about how jared leto had like this weird small commune out in the desert yeah he like Like mail a used condom to someone wasn't that that guy oh yeah when he was yeah, he was getting into his role for the Joker in like the worst DC movie ever made. <laughs> what a fucking loser. You know what? Look, I'm not going to throw shade at Daniel Day-Lewis, and I don't know what his style of method acting is, but he usually plays like characters that are probably somewhat bearable if he's going to pretend to be them in real life, like an old prospector or some shit like that. He just talks with a weird accent and pretends like he doesn't know what a fucking cell phone is. But Jared Leto... Oh, I got to get into character and play the Joker. So he just whips his dick out. It's like, and like makes fun of people and is an asshole and throws shit at them. Like, that's not, you don't have to do that to be a good, it's called acting for a reason, right? You don't have to like be it to do it good. Yeah. He literally could have just snorted a couple Xanax and spent a weekend with the Island boys. (laughs) He would have been there. (laughs) Exactly. Honestly, now that you bring it up, I, Vote for the Island Boys as the next Joker duo. Yeah, can, maybe the Joker was their inspiration. Switch in and out like Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. <laughs> I like one of my new favorite ways to like annoy April is to like just randomly put on the Island Boys. <laughs> you know that one song that they do where they're like Island Boy. <laughs> I'm gonna be like Island yeah. Boy. <laughs> you're great. I guess to bring this to a close, uh, I. W- when I watched the second and third one later, I was like, okay, I can see why people shit on these a bit. It was a lot of footage for not a lot of pay. Probably like six hours, five between five and six hours of film that made the final cut. That was probably like a good two and a half hour movie if they didn't want to milk it for a, doing two sequels or whatever. But either way, I'm, it sucks. I, I'm still a huge Matrix fan. I love the concept. I really do think it, it spoke to me in a lot of ways as a kid, but I don't know. I, you felt the I, same way about Pirates of the Caribbean, though, right? Nope, I didn't. Uh, but if you want to talk about another franchise that really that I loved, that isn't something to brag about, and that does not—it's. I mean, it's probably. I mean, not even probably. It's definitely not close to the same caliber as the original Matrix. But the Underworld first. Oh boy, do I love the. Oh yeah, that was a uh, well, the first one. 
The first one's really but good. It, the, the, first the subsequent good. ones were what, fun to watch stuff. in high school. It was like Saw. Like, I know what they are. I know that when you make eight of them, it's not as good. But I'm still along for the and I'll be that I'm still on that ride with the Matrix. When they come out with the Matrix 12, I'll I'll go see it. I'd rather see it be a TV series, like reboot it, make it cool, do like a, a high budget like TV series where you can and get good actors and make something like make it fun again. Make the Matrix fun again. It was up its own ass in this new one and it wasn't very action packed. It's like we already got so much of the philosophy and the ideas like to, to skip out on any good action 20 plus years after the original comes out felt like a big waste. Yeah, it's it's tough to watch movies anymore. I feel like <laughs> I just feel like I don't have patience for them. Yeah, because I don't you know, movies. there's not much like how much could happen. It's a two hour thing. You're used to watching these like giant series that, yeah. you know, you're you're talking about 10 hours of of storyline and stuff like that and and eight subsequent seasons. Yeah, I know it's hard to get into movies. Yeah, I'm mostly a series guy. I think I watch if it's not a kids movie that I'm watching with the family, I maybe maybe watch one movie a year. And definitely The Matrix 4 was the first one I've seen since January. Moving on, there is something that we can actually talk about that's not useless, uh, though I'm sure we'll make the take on it seem fairly useless. Uh, There was I think it was actually today uh, that we're recording this this afternoon. A mass shooting in Buffalo, another mass shooting. So congratulations, America. I think we're up to 190 something so far. I don't know. I was looking for the number and I can't find it. I think it's 190 something so far. It, it's year. a bunch. It's, yeah, it's more than is comfortable. But this one's notable uh, because it was an intentionally ultra racist thing to do. Like this 18 year old kid found the most. He found a zip code with the highest black population and driving distance and that's where he decided to go and shoot a bunch of people and he had a man anytime a manifesto is involved with a mass shooting you know shit's not going to end well um but yeah he killed like 10 people injured three others and it was very much intentionally targeting the black community from what i read this morning it looked like this kid was saying this was in retaliation for the uh what was it like a a vehicle I don't even know what to call it. The the guy who crashed crashed his SUV into the crowd of people at the at the parade in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Oh, really? I, I yeah, know I mean what that's you're that's what he claimed it was. To do with it. Apparently, like he scrawled the names of the people that died in that in that situation on his rifle along with the N word. Oh God! I, I mean that's that's what I read this morning. I, I I'm sorry. I should have this in front of me as we're Dude, talking I don't about really, here, but. It's uh, it's mind boggling to me. I mean, I it shouldn't be. It should not be mind boggling. At this point, it's happening frequently. But I, I guess when it's this on the nose, it's it is kind of. I feel like it is hard to wrap my mind around. And I know I'm sure, any you know, I'm sure black people out there are just like it's not. It's not hard to wrap your mind around. You're only saying that because you're. White. I mean, it's it's a it's a yeah. It is a it's an especially insane you're just, you're version rarely, of it you rarely encounter a level of hate like that 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 culminates to something like that uh so to see i mean one of the things that he he i think i i guess talked about in his manifesto was and it's becoming it was a fringe idea but it's becoming a more popular talking point amongst certain areas of the far right and it's like the quote-unquote white genocide 
or yeah. replacement theory. The great, which is like, the great replacement. Yeah. Now, Tucker Carlson also talks about this because he's a fucking white supremacist and Fox News still lets him just hang out on the air and pretend like he's not. It's weird. Tucker Carlson is popularizing plenty of great white supremacist takes. And but yeah, I mean, the idea that like what I guess that culture, white culture is being replaced by immigrant culture or something like that. as though, you know, what's also weird about that stance is growing up. I know very racist, but I was convinced white people didn't have a culture. And that was a talking point amongst the right, uh, which is the circle, of course, that I hung out in and grew up in. So when we were when it would come up, it was just like there's no there's no white culture. You're you're just you're just we're just people doing our thing. And it was completely dead on us that there was something unique about the way we walked through life and experienced it. And now, years later, the shift is that white culture is being replaced. So at least I don't know, at least they recognize that there's a culture now. <laughs> That's a terrible. They do. They're, now I think they're the worst of- elements are recognizing it. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah a lot of this is just i think it just comes down to tribalism and where you draw the lines of distinction who you draw who you group yourself in with and i think for i don't know i I don't know why this stuff is so appealing to a certain type of teenager that goes looking for like this extreme like i mean you're you're barely into the world you haven't really even had a chance to start strike out on your own yet and you're convinced that like the deck is stacked against you and that you're never going to go anywhere or be anything. I mean, that's where this yeah. comes from. A, a, a kid who feels that he has prospects and that life's exciting and there's a place, you know, there's, there's all sorts of things that they want to do and be and stuff like, like that's not a person who does this. And no, I think what's no. weird about this is like, you know, you, you look at a lot of these mass shooters, especially the ones that are, re- you know, whether it's, racial motivation or or some other you know whatever tribe to put themselves in i think like there's just like this common thread of them hanging out on these like anonymous message boards like this kid apparently was or at least it said that the that the the theory is big on 4chan like this great replacement theory yeah yeah and you know i don't know if i'm I'm sure there's like negative aspects to the idea but all this stuff just makes me wonder if you know, maybe we're past a point where anonymous stuff seems like is at least for the American public is anonymous Internet stuff a good thing? Does it provide cover for anything important or is it like most does it provide cover for a lot of really terrible people to spout off things that they wouldn't want attached to their name? If yeah it was right next to their profile username or something like that on it. Like would that, would all of these extreme theories be as prevalent and as easy to find and as, as, as nasty as they are, if everyone's real name and, and identity was right next to their username. Oh yeah, dude. I mean the internet is especially like, well, 4chan for sure, but Reddit, YouTube, like whatever. I mean, all these cesspools for humans to congregate and say their shit. Cause people say stuff they don't, even believe i mean look dude let's take facebook for example how many people have really awful takes on facebook and their names are right there and that's knowing that people are going to see but if you right. could if they did remove their names i'm sure they would have even worse. uh because yeah you get to let i think the problem i'm parsing this out as we go uh but as i'm thinking about it 
It's like, if I take how I feel about something on my worst day, uh, and I feel really terribly about some things at some times, even things that I might on one hand care about. Like, I think every single person who's listening or in the world knows that on one day they can hate aspects of their life to a very extreme degree and, and feel like they're the victim in their own narrative. And then on the other days, walk through life feeling like everything's great. And if you take yourself on that worst day, I don't have any free time. I don't have time to myself. I don't have, like, especially look as a guy with wife and two of my own kids and two other kids that I'm taking care of, like grad school work. Like I, it's, I have days where I'm just like, fuck this shit. I don't have any time for myself. I want to be a person. I want to go out and do whatever I want. I want to play video games till three in the morning. Like, but if you sit in that, if you sit in that and you find people who feed into that and tell you, yeah, you're right, dude. Yeah, well, maybe uh, so-and-so should be doing that for you. Or maybe you should take some more time to yourself. And you can find yourself, if you decide to take the worst parts of yourself and put them out on the internet and you find people that feed into that, you're going to feed the, the fucking ugly parts of your soul and become a probably a really awful person. Or you can recognize that you might be selfish and that there are other people worth caring about and that it's rewarding to actually put your effort and time into things outside of sitting alone in a room by yourself and and just knowing that maybe there are times where you should say i need time to myself versus not talking about it and being angry that you never do and so anyway all that was super long-winded but like i i think that's the problem with like what people find on the internet is they're like they're gonna find if they have a bad thought they're gonna find people on the internet and they're gonna say that and those people are gonna either fill their head with worse ideas or encourage the worst parts of them and that's what you get with like shit like 4chan and all these weird fucking places where the worst of humanity was. It's like it's like as as good as community can be for a person. It can be just as bad. It Hell can yeah. pull you down 100%. as easy as it can lift you up. I actually so a friend of mine sent me a, a podcast on YouTube maybe two months ago, and it was these two guys that just they interview all different types of people about you know all sorts of things i don't really know the point of the podcast but they were interviewing this guy who was a self-proclaimed incel and that's a group that i feel i got strong feelings about can you be voluntarily involuntarily celibate (laughs) well so that was part of it is like this kid i mean he was a he was a young guy who's good looking he was in good shape he was well spoken had a lot of things going for him and i mean he was on this podcast to talk about how he was, he was literally like choosing not to engage with women in a, in a romantic sense, because, you know, it started out as like, well, women don't value me was like his initial reason. But the more they, that he talks, the more you can see like this poison mindset that this guy has. And really what it comes down to is like, I don't, I don't value other people. Like I really only value Mm -hmm. myself and nobody else is good enough for me. Nobody else's attention is pure enough for me and focused solely on me enough for me to like, like gratify it in any sort of way. So like I'm choosing to be this because no one meets my standard. And it's almost like a defense mechanism that keeps him from putting himself out there. It's like, it's like an extreme protection measure against rejection. And some of the stuff this guy says, you know, he starts off the interview really trying to sound like, you know, like this sort of academic guy that has just sort of made peace with his philosophy on this particular issue. But the more he talks, the more you can hear like, 
this guy has some really like gross views of women and like the way he yeah, thinks yeah. about them and the way he he feels like entitled to them is it's just disgusting and he, yeah, he exists yeah, well, in like this community people for that's what makes them incels right they usually treat women kind of shitty and they're like why won't women fuck me you know look at your personality and everything you say and do yeah and I think like, you know, the, these people get into these communities that just continually reaffirm, reaffirms like these bad ideas that they harbor. And and not only like they do, they not discourage them, but they encourage them and they and they assure them that like these aren't abnormal. Lots of people think this way. And, you know, you're you're not only like not weird for thinking that you're you're one of a select few. We're actually smarter than everybody else. Like we're better than the other people out there who aren't smart enough to see things this way. Yeah, I think like young people are particularly susceptible to some of that kind of stuff because, you know, they just don't have the life experience to understand nuance sometimes. Not all, but but some. It's like you just haven't been out in the world and met enough different types of people to realize that like your narrow view of who people are is is ridiculous. I mean, we're perfect examples of that. Yeah. You know, how many bad ideas did we have about all sorts of different people groups, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, with especially with kids and, you know, this, the, I mean, the world that we live in, I mean, it seems like the way that you can be on the internet and the, the way the internet functions progressed faster than any sort of any way you could handle it ethically or as a society, right? Like, I feel like we're like five six, seven, eight years behind progress all the time as a society. Like as always, we're behind technology. You have technological advancements and it takes a while for people to figure out how to do it. So anytime anyone, which is what, of course, all so many movies are based on, right? Oh, this is great. AI. And then it fucks us over because we don't know. But I, I think there's truth to the premises of like, anytime there is a technological advancement, you don't see the downsides of it. You don't see how we're going to have to handle it as a society and, set up parameters and i mean i guess circling back to your original point of does is anonymity on the internet is using a username or a screen name like does that do it is, does that serve any purpose other than to be objectively more awful without being held accountable i don't know probably it, does it does i'm sure for a lot of people like I, I i'm sure there's a lot of like marginalized people who would make the argument that like hey this has allowed me to talk about things that i wouldn't be comfortable talking about. yes but uh, you just true. sometimes you can't help but wonder, like, does the bad outweigh the good on this thing? And then what can you know. do about it? Yeah, I mean, all we uh, have is questions. Our, we don't have answers here. That's not our MO. Shouldn't the FBI be doing like keyword searches and people's manifesto? Like if people post a manifesto, like shouldn't the FBI be like combing that for yeah, you know, well, any any mention of shoe bombs or I think this know, kid got picked anything. up like a year ago is what I was reading. Uh, because he said some weird shit at school that was concerning. Oh, and, there, and then, but then, you know, he goes and buys a gun and nothing shows up on his background. Like, that's the other thing. It's like, look, if you're, I don't care if you're 17 years old, if you say some really weird shit at school, that people to the point where like you're under watch, people are looking at you because you said some fucked up shit, probably really racist shit, knowing the where he ended up let maybe a year later. It's like, I don't know, maybe background checks should 
pick up on more information. I'm not sure how that works. I think that just checks for crimes, but maybe it should check for other things. But then is that an invasion of privacy? And then people get like been all been out of shape about whether or not you should, can't do something because you have too many speeding tickets. Or maybe if you're 18 years old and you want to buy a hunting rifle to go deer hunting, fine. Maybe you shouldn't be able to go buy a pistol or an AR-15. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we should wait on that until somebody's like, I don't maybe ready to drink or something, you know? <laughs> I know, because I'd rather people be using guns while they're drinking. That's I just don't even me. know if he bought it legally, but... He did. He did, because the guy who sold it to him was like, oh my God, I can't believe it. I mean, I feel awful. I don't think I did anything <laughs> wrong, but I still feel bad. I don't know. As soon as someone's like throwing out, I don't think I did anything wrong. You're like, we should probably look into this further. He's literally like licking his fingers because the dude's bills are sticking together like while he's talking. <laughs> I know. It's sad, man. It's just, I don't know. Yeah. It's awful. It's awful. What do you, what Another... do you, how do you even respond to this kind of thing anymore? It's like, and then know. it's, there's like the whole separate problem of like, you know, what, you know, tomorrow there's something new in Ukraine and, you know, all the headlines are different and stuff. I don't know. It's just, hard to even know what to do with this stuff anymore it's it's awful and i mean we're even past people i mean what we'll see is the internet blow up for the next couple of weeks about gun control measures and things like that and then it'll all settle back down until the next one everybody will commandeer it for whatever political thing they're trying to push this week and each side will use it and they'll pretend like they care but they're just going to use it for political gain and our society's fucked, man. I think next week we should talk about why I think um, the Christians are right and the tribulation is upon us and everything's going to fall apart. <laughs> you follow Anyway, uh, speaking of tribulations and everything falling apart, and uh, we got onto that a little bit in this episode with our uh, our guests this week are Ash and uh, Ash. Wow. I can't believe I just said that. Ash and Scott. Um, from the Boys Bible Study podcast. They were so fun to talk to. I know plenty of you listened to their podcast already, and we got into all sorts of fun stuff regarding Christian movies, which ones are good, which ones are bad, who's doing them the best, and had a lot of fun little rabbit trails along the way. So it is it is fun to hear somebody who's like like a couple of guys who are like real movie aficionados talk about what movies they love and what movies they hate and realizing like, Oh, this is on a completely different scale than what I'm like. I'm sitting there thinking like, I don't like this story. And these guys are like, well, they took a big risk in making this. It's a, it's an unusual plot. And you know, they filmed it in a certain way. Like they, they appreciate the, uh, the art form a lot more than, you know, a couple yeah. of knuckle draggers like us, like us, and their takes. <laughs> yeah, that's what I love about their takes is that when they when they talk about these films, they're not. It's not just like a let's shit on these goofy films podcast. It's like let's let's actually analyze these for what they are and like see what's good, what's bad. I don't know. I, I think they take a very they have a very unique approach to the subject matter that they're critiquing. I think it's fantastic, incredibly well done, and they're obviously all really smart guys. Uh, one of their other guests, I mean, one of their other co-hosts wasn't, did not join us for the conversation. So there are, there are three of them that do the podcast. We got to hang out with Ash and Scott and we, we had a great time. So if you're liking the podcast, uh, leave us a five-star review on iTunes or, uh, 
<laughs> I say iTunes. Does anybody even say iTunes anymore? Apple I think Podcasts. We say that all the time. Every time we're like, uh, iTunes. Does anyone Remember say iTunes? iTunes? Remember when you had a little <laughs> square in your pocket and you could put three CDs on it and you were amazed? Rate us on there. By you the know? way, while we're on the subject, if anyone has a charger for an old iPod mini, I could really use that. Uh, maybe shoot us a DM so I can charge that and find some of my old good music that I can't get anymore. You should just like wrap a raw wire around it and hook it to some jumper cables or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Enjoy our conversation with Boys Bible Study. Everybody, we're back with our guests, Ash and Scott, from the Boys Bible Study podcast. Ash and Scott, how's it going, guys? Hey, good. what's up? It's going good. Happy yeah. to be here. <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited to talk to you. First of all, a couple of things. Uh, we've had a ton of our listeners message us and be like, uh, have you guys ever reached out to the guys from Boys Bible Study? So we definitely have a lot of listeners that love you guys, uh, which also made this exciting. And also, I... Um, when we first started doing this, we had um, we watched this shitty Christian movie and we're going to talk about it. And we never used the episode because, you know, we were it, it didn't come out great, to be honest. That That's why. But then <laughs> that's it was right after that that I, I had I got introduced to you guys and what you guys are doing. And I was like, oh, my God, it, you guys are doing this so well that we uh, decided to never revisit the topic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I mean, that I'm, I'm really glad you, you think we're doing it well. But yeah, we, I mean, we love shitty Christian movies. That's our, our lifeblood. That's what, what <laughs> made us friends in the first place. Sort of. I mean, there's a lot of stuff, but that was part Just of it. Just bonding over bad Christian movies. That was a big part of it, I will say. Yeah. Why don't, before we go ahead and get into like how that whole thing started, because I'm definitely curious about it, but why don't you, um, why don't you guys go ahead and kind of give like, an idea of who you are and how you grew up. Uh, I don't know if you can take us away, Ash. Yeah. Um, thanks. Uh, yes, I am Ash. I do the boys Bible study podcast with Scott who's on the show. Also our co-host Julian. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, we've been doing the show for about two years. As, as you said, we focus on Christian films, um, Christian film review, and also just like outsider film review in general. I mean, to answer your question of how I grew up, uh, especially considering, you know, like the, the topic of this, the topic of your show, but um, I grew up Lutheran. That was the denomination I was raised in um, okay. with regards to my like early religious background. And um, I grew up in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, uh, and I went to Holy Cross Lutheran Church there. And that was where I, I attended church through my childhood. Lutheran. How many um, Holy Cross schools and churches do you think are in this country? That's a really good question. <laughs> there's got to be like two or three, like yeah, other than like other than our, <laughs> Yeah, it's like First I mean, Baptist Church, I guess. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. Who's come on? You can't all be first. Like, it doesn't really make any sense to me. But right. um, yeah, uh, I grew up Lutheran. Although my family wasn't uh, particularly conservative politically, um, I. You know, I mean, you know, sometimes people associate like conservative politics with like being very religious. But in my case, my family wasn't quite. However, we were a very religious family. I took Christianity extremely seriously growing up. And it was like a big metric by which I measured my own like moral code and conduct. So I took it really, really seriously. And, um, you know, obviously, like many people kind of weaved in and out of my personal relationship with it. I now do at this point in my life identify as a Christian. 
Um, however, obviously it's gone through a big journey during that time. Sure. And that lingering interest in religion is what led me to think about it with, with Scott and Julian every single week for, you know, two weeks. It's just perpetually fascinating to me. Yeah. I, I'm, I, it's funny. Cause I remember meeting, so I, I had your classic evangelical upbringing, non-denominational, um, the best evangelicals, if you ask me. <laughs> and I feel like anyone who was like affiliated with the denomination, like a mainline Protestant, I was so skeptical of. So if I had met you when I was in high school, you would have had to convince me that you were serious about your faith. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Honestly, <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I appreciate being held to a standard. You know? <laughs> I think, I think at my church, we, we viewed Lutherans as like diet Catholic. Yes. Well, I mean, it's true. Like Lutherans, <laughs> we were just, Scott and I were just talking about this, but like, you know, not that I've been to every Lutheran, uh, you know, congregation. I'm not really an expert on all the denominations, but I do feel like Lutheranism is very no frills. Um, you know, it's a pretty soundly like scriptural, um, you know, like service and everything, but it's just like, it's kind of basic, you know, you, you, you nail through the points. It's like you, it's like a PowerPoint presentation. Like you get through all the points and you're done and you can kind of come as you are. And usually the choir isn't very good. Um, you know, there's not like, I mean, if your church is like, you know, huge, I guess maybe, but like all the churches I've been to, you know, very like amateur, you know, nice, very sincere, but not a lot of like caliber put into the presentation the way that like, I know Scott, like you described like that, like the music was pretty big in your, you know, church growing up. Not so much. part of a Beatles cover band. Hey. Oh, there we go. I was also in non-denominational, aka evangelical, and also would yeah. have been skeptical of anyone who was part of any named denomination. Yeah, isn't that so funny? Like to be so convinced that you're right when you have no actual grounding or e- <laughs> is so funny. Yeah, you're like we yeah, made this up. Wild. Like it, we literally couldn't come up with whatever it is that we do. It's like not rooted in any tradition or historicity. But they'll convince you that. Uh, that they are the epitome of historic Christianity and that they're the ones truly going back to how things have always been. I think it's so funny. Absolutely. My church was the most Bible-based one in the world. So based? Probably. Yeah. Based <laughs> and Bible-based. Yeah. I still don't know how to use I that word like right. That's how I my church viewed themselves too. And uh, we, we also spent a lot of time, like at least one, there was at least like a three or four sermon series every year on like why everyone else is wrong. Like <laughs> we, we definitely hit on Lutherans. We hit on, uh, you know, Pentecostals. And then I don't we had I don't know that we really regarded like non-denominational stuff as as much like they really focused on like the uh, I, th- I think we viewed you guys as like the, you know, the bag cereal at the supermarket because <laughs> you were Southern Baptist. It's like it tastes like us, but it doesn't have the fancy box, you know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, wait, wait, what what church was this? Mine was like a Baptist church. I it was oh, okay. like a First Baptist church sort of thing. Very conservative. That's it's interesting. You said that your family wasn't. They didn't really lean heavily conservative. Did that become a pro? Did that become a problem as time went on? Because I feel like it. It's gotten to a point now where it's hard to separate the two in in some parts of the country. That well, might if be I can so, interject real uh, quick, Ash, um, uh, we, you and I were talking about this the other day, but my grandma was also Lutheran, still is, when I was growing up, and I think it was similar to Ash's situation, 
where they're pretty chill. And so like, even though like technically they're conservative, um, it's really more just about like community gathering week after week. That's that nice. Sense. Like that yeah. feels a lot better than talking about abortion every week from the pulpit. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. And, and my grandma and grandpa are definitely more left leaning than my parents are. And that wasn't really against their church. I mean, I remember every once in a while, I don't remember the church being very political from the pulpit like mine growing up um, in that one Lutheran congregation. I do remember like a guy going up there and being like, you know, we got to get the kids into our preschool because if the other ones they are going to tell them, you know, men came from monkeys. And that's we all know that's not what happened. I mean, fair, you know, like some of the classes. Well, yeah, exactly. But that was like one of the only times I can specifically remember uh, you know, I guess a more a more conservative Christian just just view of things. Um, it wasn't that even it was especially liberal. It was just kind of like apolitical. It didn't really it didn't really hammer in on some of those specific. Yeah, we I don't remember abortion, for instance, being discussed or um, that sounds talking ideal. about why other denominations are you know wrong. I mean, that's what we do on on our show. <laughs> like our episode last night was just us talking about like, you know, Catholics and uh, Jehovah's witnesses and just, just now we just do our favorite. We just talk about our favorite and least favorite uh, denominations all the time. <laughs> that's, that's <Yeah. laughs> we, we politicize from our pulpit now. That, and that's, that's, know, that's all Jehovah's we witnesses. Everybody's least favorite. It seems like just zero fun. You, you said Jehovah's true. witnesses. Yeah. That's why Wild, they're, they're that's the most true. serious though. Yeah. While that's true, they, they must have it right. If, they're going to be that no frills and no fun, right? Yeah, that's what they and think. Here's, and here's the other thing is that their movies are so good. Like at this point where we okay. are like just judging denominations based on the caliber of their film output, I've got to put Jehovah's Witnesses toward the top. Like they really know what they're fucking doing over there. Like I want to go down this road. I, <laughs> please. I didn't even realize other denominations were seriously putting out movies i thought that was a very like very evangelical kurt cameron uh kevin sorbo what who ah god uh who's the other guy um the jesus man guy uh hmm, i mean there's a couple main guys there's there's david yeah yeah david Mm -hmm. arroy his name was slipping my brain but like i mean he i he is kind of what pure flicks or whatever they rebranded as like they pump out christian movies like I just yeah. thought it was a very evangelical thing. So what let's start with what denominations really have like a solid film base. Yeah. org. Yeah. Love them. Go to go there right now. If you're listening, okay. I want you to press pause on this uh, podcast. I want you to go to your computer browser and type in JW.org. You can download them all for free. Like you can't lose. And you can watch Jehovah's them all for free there too. How the heck did they get that domain name? That's pretty good. Oh, yeah, that's that is true. JW.org. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, the brand new that's on their side. The internet. Yeah, it's just another <laughs> sign that uh, they're the right religion. I know. They're the right <laughs> sign. <laughs> well, I've, I've heard, I guess, that like their media production wing is like very, they put a lot of emphasis on that. That's like a big part of their outreach, like their centralized outreach strategy, aside from the door knocking and whatnot. But I think they pull, they seem to like pull a lot of funding from each individual church, you know? Mm. Yeah, dedicated they specifically to media, yeah. Yeah, and they keep their output limited too. So ratio wise, they're definitely the best of any of the 
subgenres <laughs> that we cover, sub subgenres. Like it's it's very thought out. Like I, I would compare them to um well any of any of the more the, the the denominations of religion in general that people consider a little more like um for lack of a better word, like fascist, I guess, like ones that come from a very like specific power point of control over the congregation and over the output like they have like oversight over everything they usually make really good stuff or at least have a really centralized point of view because clearly there's this like huge emphasis on aesthetics and everyone being in line and like mormons are great at that of course jehovah's witnesses are great at that scientologists i mean their stuff is like pretty batshit but it definitely comes from like a honed in like aesthetic point of view so i i gotta hand it to them as well they're but making jehovah's witnesses, movies for like, the Scientologists, yeah, oh, like yeah. for entertainment, the same way they have their streaming channel. They have that one like satellite streaming channel. I haven't spent. A, I actually, I watched it for a couple hours with a friend one time, and it was pretty depressing. That was like years ago. But I mean, we live in LA. I mean, the Scientology buildings are everywhere. There's a huge like Scientology media productions like complex that is just down Sunset Boulevard that I pass like every day. So you know. They're doing their you thing. You would think that theirs would be good. They have all these industry insiders. I know, right? Yeah, but Tom Cruise so or Travolta show up any of them? That's the thing. They're so inside that they just get their guys into the actual Hollywood movies. Right. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay, Maybe. that's fair. So they don't but need their it, own separate thing. So they're but, not making these yeah. films. It's like they're not hitting theater. They're not like making Scientology films that are hitting theaters like, you know, God's Not Dead did. It, not that, that was select theaters, well, made, I think. It was Battlefield but. Earth, right? That was the John Travolta one that was supposed to be like the epic story of whatever aliens that birthed the human race or something right. like that, wasn't it? Yeah, that one's amazing. Uh, big recommend for Battlefield Earth. We love that movie. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> that Fond memories a- of watching that at Scott's house like six years ago, stoned out of my mind and being like, this is in my top 20 of all time. Like, this is just a fantastic film. <laughs> but that's supposed to be based on Scientology or that story? Yeah. Yeah, I believe I so. I did not know that. I had I had no idea. I don't know things, I guess. I feel it's like, like I missed uh, something It's like big. the one with John Travolta, and he's got the, the special effects makeup, wrinkly forehead. Yeah. I've watched uh, a bunch of clips from it, but I've never actually watched it. I, I like it a lot. I, I think it's worth watching. I mean, we might even cover it one day on our show, although we focus on Christian stuff. But um, yeah, the Jehovah's Witnesses, if you spend some time watching their films, like you'll just be really impressed with um, how how competently produced they are. And, you know, uh, not everyone would find them the most exciting films. Like, you, you know, you definitely have to have a a mature palette, let's say, but you know, there's, uh, there's just peppered with unbelievable moments. Um, they won't show, they have like a gay character and they like, won't show his face for some reason. It's like very oh, eerie. What? And mm. um, like Wilson on home improvement. He's like always behind a fence. <laughs> I mean, Basically. you joke, but that's kind of what it is. Like the, like two or three times <laughs> he pops up and touches like that. And the fact that there's never any credits on the movies, never any tower. Just Watchtower. Right. All the glory yeah. to Xenu or whatever. Oh, oh right. my God. Exactly. That's hilarious. All the glory to Watchtower. So that's why we can't help but be like devil's advocate for the Jehovah's Witnesses. Like every time we come up, we have to be like a, well, actually, you know, we like kind of stand <laughs> them is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, the first modern movie of theirs, I, I was like, who the fuck directed this? I have to find out right away and watch everything yeah. they've made and never found out. Still don't know. No. Years ago. It's like a yeah, Neil it's Breen. It's not on IMDb. No, no, not at all. Wait, oh. you you brought up uh, Neil Neil Breen because we're obviously huge fans of his. 
Oh, yeah. Did you right, did you say now? Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god, we love him. I love Neil. Incredible Breen. filmmaker. <laughs> yeah, that's a hard one to get other people into because you describe it and it sounds horrible and they don't want to see it. Like, no, right. you have you have to watch like Double Down. So good. Oh my gosh, absolutely. No, his we. I feel like we haven't talked about him a ton recently, but I felt, I feel like in the first year of our show, Scott, like we kept bringing him up like every episode, just as an example of someone who is like basically right now that like Tommy Wiseau's, you know, opus is, is well behind him. Like Neil Breen is the person now who's like the preeminent living active, like outsider filmmaker, like C Tom is, perhaps passed away we don't 100 percent know for sure tommy wiseau we'll see if he has another film in him i don't know but like neil breen is here to stay like he's, he's a real really deal ass. yes he's kind of a religious filmmaker too he just kind of makes Very. up his own religion for every movie and he's god in every one of them mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. he's like space jesus with magic rocks Yes. Well, okay. I I hate to be this person because it's embarrassing for me being the only person on a conversation who doesn't know who somebody is. But Neil, you Breen. should be embarrassed because I have sent you many prompts to like um, watch Neil Brain movies. Okay. Well, well I don't listen to a lot to of things you send. Maybe me. ever since you gave me awful friend. music recommendations, I uh, stopped paying attention to your movie ones too. <laughs> well, that's you know talking about film is is tough for that capacity because like. I, I mean, I literally probably watched more films since moving to Los Angeles, like just hanging out with Scott than I did in my entire life until that time, <laughs> because Scott watches like three movies a day at least. So it seems to me. And uh, and a lot of those are Christian movies. So which is, why you know, but, you know, not only do we it's you know, we love Christian film, but obviously like as Neil Breen stands like we we love outsider film. We love we love it in general when one person is just like, I'm going to make a film completely unencumbered by any studio or anything and yeah they might have no money to do it and it would look really cheap and it's frequently very confusing ideologically or you know writing wise but we just love that like we're always looking for someone with a powerful point of view you know yeah Yeah. sam neil breen is like he makes these movies they're usually like a weird drama pseudo action supernatural it's just a mix of everything and he like writes them produces them directs them he's the leading actor in every one of them and then you get to the end credits and it's like the full scale like five minutes of credits like all the companies that provided catering and all of that stuff and then it it, there's always a message at the end that's like you know any of the companies stated that have an n or an l in their name or actually neil breen provided that service himself (laughs) yep Fantastic. <laughs> it's out of uh, control to the point where you're like, this can't be real. But then you watch an interview with him and it's for sure real. <laughs> totally. And that's what's so exciting about him and like lots of the Christian auteurs that we come up with or that we that we find and, and we you know fall in love with is like that uh it's nice to see people just purely motivated by their own ego, just like nakedly pursuing that. <laughs> and like because then they reveal themselves slowly over the course of a film and you like get in trying to present themselves as the perfect person you can usually see like many of their insecurities and like various things uh, that they reveal about their life along the way and it's like very it's fascinating we have many in the christian genre we have many favorites uh people like that you know Uh, that's such a good way of looking at it especially when you look at christian film and what they're trying to accomplish where it's like 
they they do the whole set they get the they do the whole setup and then get to knock everything down on their own and it's like it it's so it's kind of all cut and paste at least not okay you've watched a lot more christian movies than i have maybe there's some with nuance and i'm interested to hear that from you to know which ones might be those but my experience with them is that it's just very cut and dry it's setting up a premise and then it's just a quick, clean closing wrap, almost like a just a sitcom, but Christian and extended over an hour and a half. Yeah, like a lot of the of Full House. Flicks, yeah, right. A lot of the pure flick stuff is like that, where it's kind of like uh, clean and and they do want it to be fairly straightforward because it's a business too. You know, they got to make uh, digestible content. But there are a number of other very serious. Um, Christian filmmakers, like uh, a big favorite of ours that we just discovered in the last six months or so is this homeschool family led by mom, who's Ashley Hayes, right? Queen. And um, the whole family works on these movies. And then she, she like shoots, directs and edits them. And like, no like an 11, the first one we watched was Halloween Hero. And literally their 11 year old wrote it and starred in it. And they it even that- say that, says that in the credits because they're proud of it, which... They should be. It's amazing. They should be. You're yeah. already writing a feature film that's on Amazon Prime. It's on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's the best way to buy it because uh, Scott has tried to purchase their movies directly through their website. And uh, I hate to leave a you know three star review here for the Hayes rights, but unfortunately, uh, my friend's <laughs> money was uh, eaten and no product was provided. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we, uh, we assume, right, we assume um, that they're working <laughs> full time to remedy that. Not responded to what I said on Boys Bible Study. Perhaps you listen to this. You owe me ten dollars <laughs> for a movie. Either one. Thanks. And we're happy to support. It's like a we shitty vending ha- machine. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are we are very, very happy to support the Hayes Wright family in their endeavors. But please, we know you have the files. All all we ask is the is for the files. That I just want to watch your movies. For. I just want to watch, just your watch your movies. Dude, I think but. the first Neil Brain movie that I bought, I had to mail him cash. <laughs> That's so oh, cool. That sounds about right. <laughs> Was it? Did it yeah. look like a screener copy, like no frills at all, just almost like a burned CD, just sitting in a? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like a clear jewel case or something like that. It definitely reminded me of like, uh, you know, back in the day when I would burn my buddy's Pillar album and then try to draw <laughs> something cool on the front. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the same experience I had. I, I bought Fateful Findings from his website. So what? Uh, what uh, exciting topics are the Hayes Wrights uh, tackling? Oh, wow. A lot about um, being bold for you and standing up for your faith and what's right. Or Well, mm, we watched yeah. a movie fairly recently called The Badge, the Bible, and Bigfoot. And that was actually <laughs> attempting to tackle the defunding of the police, um, which ended up being inconsequential to defeating Bigfoot. Oh uh, my god! The man who lost his job for the fence still defeated Bigfoot. That's a spoiler. Sorry, they oh, defeated damn. Bigfoot, but the cops are still funded. I assume they don't want to defund the police. They don't strike me as a defund the police kind of family. Well, they they are not. But it starts with them, the town, uh, defunding the police to better fund the fire department. Okay, oh. yeah, the <laughs> fire department good intentions is... that doesn't work out. I forgot that the fire department was sort of the unseen enemy of that film. I, I, I wish it ended with problem. someone's house catching on fire and the fire department not having enough resources to go save them. <laughs> and then Bigfoot's fighting the fire. That would have been a really cool t- twist. But so Mrs. Wright's got a she's got a finger on the pulse, like the cultural yes. pulse. 
tackling modern day issues. Very much so. Um, Halloween Hero was very like it was about basically like um, you know a, a kid who is like sort of perfect and innocent. In this case, this was their eleven year old daughter who, as we said, wrote the movie and starred like a kid who's perfect and innocent, basically orphaned, and her innocence like changes the life of this this man who's a widower. Um, and you know, he is going to, he's planning his own suicide, um, on his calendar on October 31st on Halloween, it says death exclamation point, which is That's the day that he's going to kill himself. Yes. Um, actually death with two exclamation points. I, I remember. Um, and, but then when a trick or treater comes to his door, uh, who is his own daughter, again, the Hayes rights are a family entertainment. It's, it's, you know, mom, dad, and, and their girls. Um, when, yeah, when the young girl comes to his door trick-or-treating and he finds out that she doesn't have anyone, he sort of adopts her, and that brings meaning to his life. So it's about family, you know? Did they so show him, like, family. taking the shotgun barrel out of his mouth when she rang the doorbell? <laughs> like, yeah, thanks, kids. <sighs> he is... Well, what were you going to say, Scott? <laughs> I was going to say, one of the funny things with that is that anytime it shows him pointing the gun at himself, and it's in a way where you're like, I don't condone suicide but you will only maim yourself that way like he's, yeah. he's always just like pointing at his stomach or like his shoulder or like something where you're like <laughs> you at at best you will slowly bleed out you will oh my god it's more like a cry for help <laughs> yeah <laughs> but but um yeah you know so they just their films really run the gamut and they produce a lot like they have so much that we haven't watched like for the show or for ourselves um and I just I think it's very exciting. Like, here's a new voice in outsider Christian cinema that's like active and like seems to be really excited to produce stuff. And so we got to love it like that. She's definitely Ashley Hayes, right? Definitely our biggest recommendation for uh, 2022. <laughs> do you guys Great think the bar is, job, yeah. do you guys think the bar <laughs> is like low? Like, so, OK, we've talked to a couple of uh, filmmakers who have, you know, worked well. One of them worked on his first movie and was able to make it the entire thing. Brent Lydic made a movie called Spirit Quest. I don't know if you're familiar with Spirit Quest, but uh, no, you can get that, that on Amazon. Uh, you can stream that on Amazon. And and then um, Tyler Eaton is working on a movie called Mysterious Ways. He just got that. He crowdfunded that. So he's that's just starting production. Um, that episode has not come out yet. That'll Well, it might by the time this one. Uh, anyway, either way, he... Um, so, you know talking to them about what it was like to make a movie on a micro budget or about to make a movie on a micro budget. And then what it looks like, you know, to, to maybe try to shop that film, right. Enter into festivals. And one of the things that, uh, that we talked to Tyler about was how, you know, at 20 years ago, if you entered into sun, like right now, if you try to enter your film into like a film, like a Sundance film fest, like that, it has like at least 20 times more entries now than it did 15 years ago, because Sure. It's a little bit more accessible to to make a movie on a micro budget. And that's great in a lot of ways, but also increases competition. So when you look at people trying to make film in that way, uh, not sticking to a Christian genre and and then trying to get that recognized and noticed, sounds like there's a high barrier. It's a, like low barrier to entry, but like really hard to to get seen uh, amongst the crowd. And it doesn't necessarily from my perspective seem to be the same way with Christian films. So you're talking about this new family coming up and make it like just churning out films with their family. Um, they're probably working on a very low budget, but they're getting, they're 
they're pushing their way into like that Christian market. So does it seem like that's if, if you're a filmmaker that pushing your way into that market is not difficult or is there some difficulties getting into it that maybe I'm not aware of? I do think it's easier because it does seem to be more accepted uh, with Christian filmmaking right now to not be with a proper distributor. And it's easier than ever to get your movie distributed, not necessarily seen, but like almost anybody could put their movie on Tubi, for example. And I think almost anybody, okay. pretty much anybody could get their movie on Amazon Prime. As far as it getting out there is another thing. But I'm not, I'm not entirely sure how it works with like the, the faith-based stuff and the algorithm. But um, it could just be what I'm generally watching. But a lot of low-budget Christian stuff ends up in my feed now. Like it, it's yeah. <laughs> doing a lot of the lifting for me at this point, which is very nice. Yeah, I mean, I do, I do think to this day with Christian films, even with a higher, uh, yeah, you know, what's the word, a more diluted market or whatever, there is still the attitude of like, we want people to be making stuff. Like there is still this attitude of like, we do still feel creatively marginalized by, you know, Hollywood, by, you know, who knows whomever. And so um, I do think that there is just that fire, like just having that sort of spark in your scene or in your genre to be like, we want people making new work because we want to show that there is, you know, there is something here. I think that does, you know, it, it, it provides a sense of urgency that I think maybe not like just, okay. just trying to penetrate like the main, uh, I don't even know what the film world is nowadays, but you know, uh, it feels a little more urgent within the Christian genre. That being said, even if someone is like a superstar to us, I I, on, I don't really know how much people even in the Christian genre know about the Hayes Wright family. I mean, yeah, to us, they're like, you know, modern day uh, superstars, but they're sort of like the, you know, the Coppola's like a filmmaking family, you know, um, but uh, but I, I couldn't even tell like what how many views of their videos even have. Like, it's hard to say. Yeah. <laughs> like a thousand. I I true, yeah. It does seem I, like. It's not an altogether bad thing, though. I mean, that, uh, you know, just people in general have an outlet. I mean, talking to those couple of guys that we did, it, it sounds like producing a, a movie of any variety, like on your own, is just like an all consuming endeavor, like just yes. tons yeah. of work. I yep. imagine it's probably easy to overlook, like, how much goes into making even a movie that you'd perceive as, like, not top quality you know yes. that's the thing Finishing like, a feature is incredible to me and no matter how it turned out no matter what it is no matter how terrible i i honestly agree and it's like yeah like you know i don't know if it's just like living here because obviously being in los angeles we just see the film i mean like every like 50 percent of people you meet work in film or tv in some capacity or so it seems you know and you do really get like even if you do try to embark on like a short film project or on a video project and you try to do a good job, you just see for yourself like how hard it is. And yeah, I don't know, not to sound like a, you know, participation trophy, you know, uh, like, like tender <laughs> queer, uh, I don't know, liberal, uh, whatever, but it really like, we just, we're like, if you finished a feature, like great job. Like, honestly, it's like, it's like the modern day equivalent of writing a book. I mean, people still yeah. write books, but it's like, you could write the next great American novel. And even if you just filmed it on your phone and um, it looks like shit, like I, it's still, it's still great. Like that's why I give every film on letterbox five stars because I'm like five stars for effort, you know, <laughs> <laughs> very much so appreciate did, that about your letterbox. Yeah. How did you guys 
like what what drew you into paying attention to Christian film? What gravitated you towards it and wanting to to make a podcast about it? I mean, I imagine it takes up a good bit of your lives at this point. So you have to love it. I'm interested in what got you sucked in. First of all, just growing up with tons of Christian media and just having that background of it. Um, what are some I highlights was... before we continue? Like highlights of like Christian media growing up that were like, that's that's what stuck out. That's what sticks out to you when you think back about your childhood. Um, honestly, it's pretty basic, but uh, Veggie Tales is very powerful. Um, yeah, based Hell on yeah. the fact that it's, it's geared towards kids, because it was. Um, I'm 40 now. I just turned 40, and uh, so like when Veggie Tales started coming out, it was geared towards younger ages than me. But I would make sure my sisters were getting that like the day that they were available because I wanted to watch them too. And so I think, I think that was like, yeah, they genuinely well done. Yeah. So I think, I think that was a big one. Um, there's a lot of other stuff I watched, but as far as like quality wise, that probably sticks out the most, but, but, um, even more so just, just buying media from the thrift store. My, my mom and I were always going to the thrift store and stuff's cheaper there. So you can take chances on, uh, random stuff. (laughs) And uh, I find a lot of random stuff that way. A lot of weird it's, videos it's not like going to family christian bookstore where cd's 22 dollars and you have nothing right. to go off of if it's good or not right yeah but at least they can be like okay if you like rage against the machine you can check out you can check out this new cool band called payable on death they're basically the same <laughs> <laughs> well and and then like uh you know later in life too because you know the reason i even met scott in the first place is because of his work in everything is terrible because he was a, a member, of, like a founding member of that group. Oh, and, oh and no kidding. Was. still don't understand what I follow him on Instagram. And I still am like, what the fuck is this? What am I like? No. It's like, we're on tour I now. I'm like, what, what do you even, what is this tour? How does this work? <laughs> well, not to out, out Scott, but that is a big, I mean, that's, that's awesome. how, that's literally how we met. And I was just a huge fan of what they do, but uh, you can, you can explain that Scott. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So, so um, I was touring in, when was that? Like 2011? Yeah, ten. When I came through to Syracuse, yeah, yeah, it was was for Doggy Woggies, right? Doggy Woggies, Poochie Woochies, the all dog remake of Alejandro (laughs) Godorowski's The Holy Mountain. Um, So good. (laughs) That was that was a big tour, and um, uh, Ash came to the show, performed at the show. It was a great finale to the show, very fun. Um, And um, because because Ash is a musician. What is I don't understand what's uh, happening. I see the videos and they're like sporadic and I love them, but I'm like, do they play video? Is it's a performance? Okay. The tour is so a performance. So you see the the videos that you see how like hyper edited they are. Yeah. Um, imagine um a bunch of those videos um hyper edited together, so it's like hyper hyper edited, and uh, it'll be split up into like blocks, usually of like ten minutes. And then there's a, a live performance in between with um, people playing different characters who have to do with um, videos that we've watched and edited before. It's like, uh, it's so like, like a variety show. It's like a meta variety show. Based on it, it is written. Yeah, it, okay. is, it is kind of a meta variety show. Like of all these characters, like they're, they're filmmakers, they're like collage filmmakers and their their source material is like tens of thousands of of like shitty vhs tapes that they've collected wild that's so much work it's my ultimate comedy yeah i love it yeah and i i've stopped working on it because like you said it is a lot of work um but um (laughs) yeah continues on of course um 
all those are all very close friends of ours obviously so kids club is the tour that just finished up and it was yeah a, a movie using all all kids clips turned out great insane it's so uh, funny but, sorry, so, i cut yeah. you off ash so you that's how you met uh scott was uh you you performed during one of those right yeah yeah, yeah. and it just like sort of began like you know their work really unlocked in me like like them and a lot of the people that we hang out with out here the sort of scene we're in is again this kind of like outsider or forgotten uh media scene like that's probably the biggest umbrella term i can i can think of it's like we just love to see we just love to see the media that's below the surface like it's just um it's just more exciting to me like there's a whole there's a whole pile there's a whole like you know how all those like et video games are buried in that mountain in in new mexico or something it's like that but for culture it's like here's this like mountain of like accumulated trash of everything that we've made through the ages and it's like why grab from the top why grab from now's trash when you can just reach your hand anywhere in the mountain and like pull out you know something insane so you know we just got along really well based on that after you know years of friendship and like we just um we just really both Scott and I and our friend Julian just really specifically enjoyed the religious ones because they were just so fun and like such just direct propaganda and we loved the styles of them. And like, it's, it's great to see like a movie that wants to tell you something like a movie that's grabbing you by the throat and is like, no, you need to know this. Like that's missing, you know, from a lot of, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's not actually, but I like the way that they do that. And um, they do it in yeah, a less and, nuanced way, maybe when they have like right. the gospel message point blank at the right. end. But right when and they're like the, the military is of, great. Yeah, a lot of strong assumptions that come along with it too, where you're like, you assume I know so much already. I basically have yeah. a full understanding on the bot of the Bible, and either yes. have chosen to reject Jesus or like <laughs> the. Uh, uh, Anytime an atheist is portrayed in like any evangelical movie, it's not that they don't believe in God. It's that they hate God. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Like it's such a great point about the, the understanding, like there's a mutual understanding going into it that you have a baseline for, for what's going to be talked about. Like if you're, if you didn't grow up in Christianity, you have no back like baseline for it. And you watch one of those movies, you're going to be probably a little confused. Well, the one that right. we watched was definitely like that. Was that just called Rapture? No, Tribulation. Rapture. Have you guys Tribulation. Have you guys seen Tribulation with I Howie Mandel and Gary Busey? Have you, Scott? I don't think I've seen that. I'm like furiously Googling it right now. <laughs> oh, it's a gem. Going um, in. It's so I can't much tell fun watching it. it. Yeah, no, that's, oh, wow, your 2000, great year, um, Y2K era, Chris, I have to watch this. No, and that's what's so interesting is we've d now done the show for two full years, and, like, every day I get a, a new recommendation yes! from someone. Like, it's, like, pretty remarkable. Oh, well, there you go. Scott is uh, displaying <laughs> theater of the mind. Scott is, uh, went and <laughs> grabbed his Tribulation VHS and is uh, showing us on the screen. That's Dude, the one we, we tried to, to break down, and we just didn't yeah. do it very well. But I... I want you guys to do it. That's my, I'm making a request here and I'd love to, I want to hear you guys talk about this movie because it's so, there's so many, oh, God damn. There's so many funny things. I, I like, I prefer uh, my Christian movies to be based on the rapture uh, and around the trip. Totally. <laughs> because oh, that's a good choice. There are a lot. Yeah. I, when I was a kid, there's one, I can't. Okay. What I can't tell is if I'm like kind of creating some memories, um, 
and I'm mixing maybe some movies together that I had seen. Cause when, when we sat down to watch tribulation, I really wanted to watch it because I recalled it really like fucking with my head as a kid. Like I remember it's like, but then I watched it and was like, I don't think that's the movie that did it. And I don't know if the movie that quote unquote did it is real or if it's an amalgamation of things in my mind at this point, Mm. but the one that, Shaq the genie or was yeah. the genie. <laughs> right right yeah uh but the one that the, the thing that was stuck in my head was like there was uh like you know the antichrist and his demons that could just kind of possess people on cue and i feel like people were running like the the i feel like gary Busey was definitely the protagonist in this movie so maybe i just need to look up old gary Busey christian movies that's why i thought it was tribulation either way the the antagonist would just like possess people and then i rewatched the matrix a little while ago and was like am i mixing this whole mr smith jumping into people's bodies with i don't know i (laughs) I can't wrap my mind around what i saw either way watch tribulation and it was uh but i I just remember watching this movie and being being in my bed and thinking like so much about demon possession that i was terrified that it could happen to me and that if i said the wrong thing or like I don't know. I just thought it could happen and I'd just instantly be possessed and it was terrifying. So I, I would like to find whatever movie it was that I was thinking of, but um, it could, you know, Tribulation is part of a trilogy. Okay. So it could be Maybe. still from, it could still be Gary Busey. Yeah. Is, is he in all three? Um, I do not remember because um, I watched these a while ago, but there's Apocalypse, Apocalypse 2, Revelation, Apocalypse 3, which is Tribulation. Oh, there's a fourth. Apocalypse 4, Judgment. Cool. Yeah, oh, wow. I'll tune in for Judgment. Yeah, that <laughs> one's with Mr. T. No kidding. I love Mr. T. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> well to what you were saying, to, to what you were saying, Sam, like, I think that's part of the reason that, like, we got so into this because, you know, again, we a lot of us grew up in the age where like home video or movie like that was what we watched. That was what we were sat in front of as kids instead of like YouTube videos, you know. So yes. this was like this is what we were hypnotized by. And adults are just like, oh, you know, well, we'll put on something, you know, Christian for the kids. And then you watch it and you're like, well, I'm going to be like tormented in like a river of, <laughs> of fire forever. And like, I'm going to get possessed by a demon if I like look the wrong way. You know, if I say the name of a, a magic card that I have uh, in, in, you know, in my magic deck or whatever. And yeah. then that's what's so amazing. And also to what you said about how the young mind like sort of combines things together. And it's like, then how much of this was in my memory or how much of this was just like a fear that I, I created. Like, I think that that is definitely part of why we got into revisiting this stuff as adults, because it's just like cool to see, like now that we are adults, like we're like, okay, there were adults maybe our age making this, like we can, and we know now a bit about film production, like, this isn't just some like weird haunting memory. It's like a real thing. And it's, it's very interesting just to see, did they know how much power they were having over kids? I don't even know if they did. I think that like little kids are just so mad. I sure was. I mean, that's why I was like super into Christianity. You oh, know? same. Um, and uh, I have a question for all of you along those lines. Um, yeah. We're how sure were all of you that you would be raptured by the age of like, I don't know, 22. <laughs> <laughs> I, was I was really hoping so but i wasn't com- i was never completely convinced that i was gonna go up with everybody else i had i had imposter syndrome for sure sure i i felt good about it 
I felt pretty good about it. But then watching these movies about the end times are what those are the ones that fucked me up because I, you know, just from what my parents would tell me about it. And they're like, but it's OK because we're Christians and we're all going to be good. Uh, but then watching these movies where there's all those people who thought they were Christians that got left behind. And you're just like, shit, they thought they were serious. What happens right. if that's me? And it was right. like, that's what that's what first planted in my mind, that it's possible to think you're saved and not be. And I don't think I ever fully recovered from those feelings. Totally. Yeah, no, I mean, I remember like a Sunday school teacher, like I asked her, like, because my dad didn't really go to church with the rest of my family. And I asked her, like, does that mean my dad's going to hell if he doesn't come to church? And she was like, well, yes, you know, and it was just like, Jeez. damn. Thanks, yeah, Mrs. I mean, Johnson. Yeah, no, for real. But it's just like, yeah, that's the stuff like that. That's scary as a kid. Like, it just is, you know, yeah. and I mean. We've talked about like I, we've even had this. I, I remember. Uh, oh, uh, Scott, we did that episode on the. Um, I wish we'd all been ready. What's the name of that song? Yeah, I wish I we'd wish all, we'd all ready been by, ready. Um, yeah, yes. Larry just, like, Apocalypse music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you know, we were just talking about like, is it even really like ethical to like show this to your kids like it, it you know i mean i sort of think the answer is yes again i am like a pretty devout christian now in my adult life but it's still just like i mean i don't know it, kids can be really i mean some kids just don't even care they're like who cares? like this is boring i don't this yeah. is not affecting <laughs> right. me at all but kids like me right. and scott and perhaps the two of you uh it's like really it really does something it really unlocks something you know oh there's people who have like real trauma forever from that for sure even just even just from reading the left behind books and their parents being like yeah "Yeah, that's true pretty much right which i did read did you guys read those no just i did not movies uh see i'm behind any movies (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah they're they're great (laughs) start a book club boys book club there we go i feel like uh you know i there well like you think about how big like true crime is right now. And like, I've listened to, you know, I don't know how many years worth of podcasts about serial killers and documentaries and things like that. And like, you know, people just have like this weird, morbid fascination with ugly, sinister things. And Christians definitely like kind of channeled that into this, like, you know, uh, apocalypse media that, you know, just kind of like endlessly goes over and over how people are going to be tortured after we're all gone and away from and in heaven. <laughs> you know? Yeah, totally. Really? Now there's like a lot of dystopian stuff, too, where like Christianity is basically outlawed. Yeah, oh, that's a big one. Yeah. And it's interesting because it's getting I feel like it's getting less and less amount of years further out from when the production is. Uh, like, like it used to be like, oh, then 50 years from now. Now it's like three years from now. Right. There's almost that feeling in, in, depending on where you're at in Christianity, what bubble you're in, that that's still a big part of the conversation that like, this is, you know, the world hates us. They hate, they hate God. They hate Christianity. They're like, we're this, you know, actually just tonight, uh, before we got on here, I was, um, so I'm, I'm in, uh, I'm. I'm in grad school right now. I went back to school. Uh, this is my first semester back in, but uh, taking a site, I'm in, in a psychology class and cause I'm going to school for counseling. And I, one of the theory, they were just, it was talking about, you know, I'm in developmental theory. And it just brought back a lot of stuff because one of the things I just recently read about was the, the person who introduced that uh, it's like a stage theory of um, moving from 
from dualism towards relativity in that it's like mo- very few people go into college with like stage one dualism, black and white, right and wrong. Truth is disseminated from this source uh, and it's unquestionable. And and then as people mature in their experience and their exposure to the world, they come they become more relative uh, in that uh, they subscribe to relativity in a sense. It's like there's a lot of conflicting beliefs. This one works for me but I understand why some people have their beliefs and it does make sense. It's not that they're it's so, and I'm just like, I just think it's so funny that I was just thinking back on going to college being like, oh, in my personal experience, dualism was the mindset, like a strict level one, like, st- like stage one dualism was the mindset mm-hmm. of a lot of people. And, and, and even if in college people change it a little bit, that's still the mindset of a lot of the, the circles that exists that I came from that maybe my parents and their peers, or it's a very, it's in that I was given, I don't know if you guys watched the Francis Schaefer videos when you were kids, how should we then live? Um, And, but the whole thing that, Mm. so I was given those to watch. And the whole thing was basically about how secularism is, is the vehicle towards relativity. And once you, once you believe in, that everything's relative, then you're stripping away the truth and everything's going to hell. And that's, that's the inauguration of the end times. Uh, and it's just so funny to think about them planting themselves in a strict dualism uh, when, when it, and these people are in their forties and fifties. And right. that really is like a, like an early adolescent, that's like an adolescent mindset to have. Totally. I, I don't know if, you know, more and more people think that way now, or maybe they always did. And we can just like be exposed to that stuff more. But um, I actually think that that's part of the reason I personally enjoy watching like the Christian films is because to be quite honest with you, like the to see something that's so dualistic is almost like escapist for me because I'm like, God, I wish that like I could hold such an uncomplicated viewpoint, like as disturbing or like fucked <laughs> yes, up as that viewpoint exactly might be. It's like, yeah, I'm not trying to say I'm like, you know, whatever, like a very smart person, but it's just like, you know, it it's it's hard. There's a lot of responsibility when you understand that, like, there's not really a lot of ethical choices you maybe can make in a situation and that there's so many things you can't solve. And there's so many like ugly things that you can't control. And it's really sad and scary, you know, Um And I do think I actually find a bit of comfort like inhabiting just for an hour and a half or whatever, like a dualistic mindset of being like, okay, these are the rules. Like if I do them, it's all going to work out. Like, um, you know, my uh, someone in my family might, uh, you know, die of cancer in a very like cathartic way. But other than that, like everything else is going to happen in my life. I'm going to win, you know, proverbially win the lottery or whatever. You know, it's just like it's nice to see that happen in a film. It's almost a little like relieving. That's well, why people that's watch Hallmark what's... films, right? It's like a similar thing. To Hallmark Say films. that again. People watch. Yeah. Hallmark films. It's a similar oh, sure. escapism. Right. That simplicity. Yeah. 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 I think that's like a circular thing. Like it's it's a cycle where you take comfort in that like dualistic mindset when you're young. And then the older you get and the more life experience you have, the less realistic that seems, right? Because you just right. can't hide from the fact that things are just not clear cut in most cases. Right. And then as you get older and I don't know, more world weary or whatever it is, I think, yeah, there's like a certain comfort that comes from just looking at things in such a stark way. Uh, And at some point you either, you know, you, you either reject that altogether or 
I think you lean in and try your best to justify that that worldview. That's way oversimplifying what people go through, but that's the Christian movie version <laughs> of life. <laughs> sort of, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, listen, can you can either you can get past dualism and you can either get black pilled or get god pilled. You know, and like, I don't have I don't have patience for the black pilled. I'm sorry. I I feel a lot of um like empathy for you. Of course, I was there myself, but it's like, like I don't know. I know you didn't sign up for this, but like we still we still have to do this every day. So it's like you might as well get God pilled, like not even like, you know, I'm literally believing in God, but well, I don't know. It's like, you know, the, the problem is we move past dualism and then a lot of people, the, the, the religious stuff they grew up with, they associate that with that moment in their life. They free themselves of it symbolically and then it's not necessary anymore. And, but now it's like, so, so there's a lot of people with like disdain toward that. It's like, well, religious yes. people are all idiots, you know, um, but as for me, I'm like, I can but just personally, I feel like I can do both. Like I can simultaneously like have this framework for like a metaphysical framework that's like pretty simplified so I can understand it. And I can acknowledge that that's like very likely an oversimplification. It's like, I don't know, for me, it, I can ha I can handle that contradiction both at the same time. You know, I was yeah, watching I a video today where they were talking about like the 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 problem of like taking a stance on any given issue with somebody who disagrees with you, especially if someone that's, that is focused on that particular subject or has done a lot of research on it or whatever. It's like, you know, it's, it's not hard to be out argued, but very seldom does that change your mind. And the guy that right. I was listening to was like, you know, it's okay to just default back to, uh, you know, a tried and true, system of belief or an idea that's you know been held with regard for like thousands of years you know like it's okay to say you know i don't totally understand that but i know of a lot of people that are a lot smarter than me have you know think this and have written this out and you know there, there's limits to everyone's ability to you know endlessly delve into any given thing and yeah. at some point, you just have to be like, I, I don't know for sure. This is what I feel. And I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. I, that's why that's, I still yeah. gravitate towards Christianity. I'm with you, Ash. Like, I, I still identify as a Christian. Um, I participate in a, a church. And it's like, it's not that I, you know, subscribe to any sort of like traditional Christian theology. But at the same time, the 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 concepts and the ideas, like, I can work with it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't, I don't have this concept of, um, you know, this like divine being who's orchestrating life. I probably don't have, I don't have much space in my head for any traditional concepts of God. But when I still think about, you know, even being in church, by the time this comes out, we'll be past it, but it'd be the Sunday before Easter. And it's like, you know, some of the, the reflections about the, the life of Christ and things like that. That's what, that's what centers me. And, and I, I, is meaningful to me. And if there is, if there is anything at all out there that's bigger than me, and it feels like maybe there is, um, I think it's probably like that. And so centering myself around it is what's provided me with meaning. And it's something so and I can, I can raise my kids in that too, without feeling like uh, I'm indoctrinating them or that they're, the stakes are so high that if they leave, they're going to have trauma because they're wondering for the next five years, if that means they're going to be left behind or right. whatever. Yeah, and you can still raise your kids with critical thinking too. 
I mean, I, mm-hmm. Absolutely. I'm most thankful of that from my parents because although they would prefer that I, um, were still Christian, uh, I, I'm not because they allowed me to think critically and taught me how to ask questions. Yeah. I think yeah. I'm going to just lean hard into the like Kirk Cameron movie yeah. antagonist atheist. Just <laughs> okay. Get yeah. Real like visceral. Well, you know, it's about, it's all about fashion trends for me. And right now, as you know, being Christian is like pretty trendy. Like, um, there's like, oh, absolutely. Like yeah. online, especially there's, I mean, just look at the memes, you know, everyone's like, it's kind of like, and there's sort of this like flirty fun, like take on it now. It's like, I'm God's little angel, you know, like blah, blah, blah. Have you ever seen the meme page? <laughs> I need God in every moment of my life, but they're sort of like at the <laughs> forefront of this, like meme Christian. We, uh, fr- friends of our, you know, friend acquaintances of ours, friends of ours, we've had them on the show. They have a great perspective, but, um, yeah, it's well, but here's the thing, you know, so what does fashion do? It goes in cycles, right? And so like during the 2000s, atheism was really trendy. You know, we had the Bill Mars releasing religious and like all that good stuff. And then Worst everyone movie. was like, well, that's boring. We're done with that. Now it's really cool to be Christian. And, you know, so, hey, right now, let's get that clout. Let's 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 get those those fashion points. And then uh, in three years, we can be on the forefront of the Reddit fedora. We can start wearing fedoras again. You know, we can start like, like I, I can't wait. Um, maybe Boys Bible Study will take a hard like uh, trench coat mafia slash Reddit slash like atheism turn in like three years, maybe just to Boys stay ahead. Boys Bible Satanists. Yeah. <laughs> it's still be BBS, but. Um, Dude, so so Scott, you're, you're a couple years older than us and. I know we were kind of like at the the lingering tail end of like satanic panic era. Did uh, was that big in your circles? I mean, it's it's definitely fun to pull media from that era. I would imagine it was it was big through mm, like middle school for me because I think it was eighth grade Halloween. I did not celebrate Halloween by choice because of satanic panic media. And my own searching because like I, I took that pretty seriously and would I, I took any Christian media I was consuming at that time very seriously and was definitely legit studying the Bible on my own a lot. And so connecting dots between what I heard at church and through Christian media in my own research. And so like my parents were even kind of like, you're not going to go out for Halloween. And I was like, no, it's satanic. Oh, like, okay. wow. So parents weren't even pushing that. No, and they, but of course they didn't like say like you might be taking this too far, bud. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like we're so proud. Wait, wait, when it's was this? That um, I would have been say, in what? eighth grade. So eighth grade. At like, first, I heard I was grade? eight, and I was like, "What?" And then I was like, "He must be talking about eighth grade." <laughs> yeah, yeah, eighth grade. Yeah, so probably probably like ninety four, ninety five, something like that. I'm always I interested that- in like christian urban legends like stuff that got passed around that we all somehow heard and i I mean not even necessarily christian but like always the one that always makes me laugh is like you know it's before the internet before there was any sort of like mass sharing digitally like everybody in the world heard that marilyn manson had ribs removed so that he could blow himself (laughs) right (laughs) like how did we all find that out Right. Yeah, I, that's a. I definitely heard that hearsay in eighth grade for sure. That's really funny. <laughs> I feel like there was Christian ones too, where you'd hear like, "Oh, there's you know 
a bunch of kids in all black that like you know kidnap people's pets on devil's night and sacrifice them and stuff you know like weird stories that would make the rounds that are probably based on nothing (laughs) yeah right I stepped away for a sec. Were you talking about the Smurfs thing? No. <laughs> oh, okay. What, no. What, but what I'm what excited to hear more about, about that. Smurfs. Let's go there. Okay. Well, it's just that we just did an episode a couple weeks ago with um, our new friend Michael Belandic, who's a great filmmaker. It was on uh, Turmoil in the Toy Box or Deception of a Generation, which is like a late 80s a satanic panic thing about toys uh, and children's games and stuff. And um, we just got to talking about the Smurfs because Michael is like sort of a Smurfs historian uh, among many things. And um, there was this like Christian urban legend, especially within Jehovah's Witness circles, um, which you can read about online. And we have a friend, a good friend named uh, Riley, um, who grew up Jehovah's Witness, who corroborated this with us. But there was some sort of urban legend among Jehovah's Witnesses that like there was a family that collected a lot of Smurfs figurines and that at one point the smurfs came to life and pushed the mother of the family into the <laughs> oven while she was cooking what <laughs> that which got just traded kind of, which just kind of shows like you know all these little like inanimate objects that are kind of like they're not exactly false idols but they are kind of like totems of of life you know um we Evil. can't really trust those because they do sort of contain a spirit that's not godly See, I, I've I've heard other things about Smurfs. Like, were Smurfs yeah. kind of? They must have been like a favorite. Some we just talked to someone who talked about why they couldn't watch the Smurfs, and it was new the to Smurfs, me. The Smurfs. We learned recently that the Smurfs are sort of in the center of all culture. Like, they're kind of like when you smoke <laughs> a lot of DMT and see the machine elves. Like, that's sort of what the Smurfs are, but for like all <laughs> of pop culture, like they are very important in sort of a fundamental spiritual way. Yeah, I, I was taught that the Smurfs are from something satanic or of the <laughs> devil in general, but I cannot remember why at all. I cannot I remember why that was posited. As a, as a, when I was in high school, I guess. I, yeah, I guess I was in high school. I had a friend, I was probably 15 at the time. I was homeschooled, so I didn't have a lot of friends. And this friend was also homeschooled because those were most of my friends. And So you were making feature-length films with your family? No. Yeah. Wow, cool. <laughs> oh. No, my family didn't start a band. They didn't do feature length films. It was a joke, oh. man. I got well. shafted pretty hard on it with homeschool families. Um oh, nuts. but we uh he had the, he was one of those people that was like his family was all afraid of like the occult. Now the the funny I guess what's kind of funny about that to me is like my parents always were more like concerned about they never really worried about that kind of shit. Um but like violent video games and guns and us doing that like that. It's like, we don't want, they didn't, it took me so long to be able to play golden eye and stuff like that. But like my friend was like the opposite. His parent, they were terrified of anything remotely linked to a cult. But then it was just like gun enthusiast kid who like loved the whole airsoft game. And I don't know. It was just like a weird, like our, we were almost opposites when it came to like what our parents were cool with and not cool with. Um, and he gave me a book and it dealt with all like the occult images and symbols in all of mainstream media. It was very conspiratorial and it was like Barney made the cut care bears, their whole, like their symbols. It being was in their stomach was it like, had to be Phil Phillips. Yeah. Do you, you, this yeah. is the only, what was, the do you know only what Barney's reason, problem was? Well, I mean, I love you. Other than being you a pervert. Me, I mean, <laughs> well, right. But well, it's just the only reason I say that I'm sure there were other people writing stuff like that, but 
I was not aware of him when I was young, but we just did a deep dive into Phil Phillips and that was exactly his oeuvre. All he has so many books and they're all like the same. It's like, let's go through he has a whole book about Power Rangers. He has a whole it's book about I I would wager. Again, he certainly doesn't own the concept. Like I'm sure there were many people imitating him, but I would I would wager like maybe if you if you did a deep dive and like Googled his name and looked at some books, like maybe you could remember Turmoil but, in the Toy Box. Yeah, that was the, the one that we Barney did. And beyond. Uh, yeah. The Bible Barney and Beyond. That sounds like it could be a candidate <laughs> for what Phillips. you're describing. Phil this Phillips is hard. Oh man, he's amazing. Um he so yeah, he did a, a documentary called Deception of a Generation, which is basically the video version of Turmoil in the Toy Box book. But in the video he and in the book too, he reveals that he um, he went on a two week long fast, which he refers to as a Jewish fast. I'm not exactly sure why, but he went on a two week long fast. <laughs> and then at the end of his fast, he went into a toy store and he saw a figure of Skeletor and it filled him with such fear and it disturbed him so much that he decided to change the course of his ministry and, you know, talk about um, toys and no children's media. Way. And he was 24 at the time that this happened. He was quite young. He was like 23 or 24. So. And, and he spent all of his money and was like maxing out credit cards, just becoming a YouTube toy unboxer, basically, but before basically. YouTube existed. Amazing. So I, cool. It all, and obviously, like what? His uh, lack of food for two weeks probably contributed to this hallucination. Yes. Yeah, it's all low blood sugar. I, yeah. I mean, imagine. <laughs> no, no. Imagine like you at, you know, 22 years old, like all the homeschooling, like really stuck. And you're like, well, I'm going to not eat for two weeks. And then I'm going to go to Toys R Us or whatever. Like imagine like your state of mind. You'd be very vulnerable <laughs> too. Or maybe you'd be very uh, observant, you know, maybe your instincts would be honed like a, like a wild animal. It's hard to say. He could have gone into literally any <laughs> store and that would have been his new career path. He would have found something. Walks into a grocery store and just becomes a dietitian afterwards or some yeah. shit. Like, all about how to eat, right? The truth <laughs> about <laughs> gushers. You're right. You're exactly right. <laughs> Dude, so he was like a Mike Warnke type figure. Are you guys I familiar with him? Name. No, I don't. I don't know that name. Do you, Scott? So I, yeah, I don't know yeah, if I he do, focused. But I, but I'm, not very familiar with him, but I do know who you're talking about. Okay. Oh, he's right up your alley. You guys would love him. Hmm. He was like this weird looking guy that toured in the 80s. I think he made a ton of money, but basically just talked about like how he used to be a Satanist and he was involved in all this. Oh. Like it was a lot of that. Like, I don't maybe Scott, maybe at your church. Did you have people that came through that like had lived the hard life before Christianity and they kind of like humble brag about how much partying they did, but it's yes. their testimony? Yes, actually, somebody I went to a Christian camp one summer and there was a musician who was like pretty mediocre, but he he did one of those talking about all the partying and he's like, and like this could have happened and this could have happened and well, it didn't. And then I converted and now I do this. Um, so it all worked out. But uh, you shouldn't do that. And I remember my takeaway being like, so I could go and party and everything. And I still have time to like come back and <laughs> be a good Christian. You need the redemption arc. You need the redemption arc. Like that's very important. Like that's the prodigal son thing. It's and, so like, important. It's so important. And like, you know, if you just think about it, if you map out what happens to someone in a Christian movie, like it can go either way. If you're super, super Christian when you're a teen, you could die in a mass shooting or get cancer 
or die in a car accident. It happens all the time to Christians in Christian movement. But if you're, let's say you have a friend who's a really good Christian and you yourself are not so much, your friend might die and you learn a valuable lesson and then you live a long and fruitful life and you convert to Christianity later. So it's like, I mean, you're taking it, you're taking a gamble either way. But just like if we learn anything from Christian films is that it's, I would say convert when you're like in your thirties or forties. <laughs> like if I had to give advice for young people, I would say like thirties, late thirties for you know, mid somewhere in then. Cause I feel like then you're poised to like, Oh my God, I'm washed up, you know, blah, blah, blah. I need to, I, all my, you know, I was young and hot and I, I did so many drugs and blah, blah, blah. And I had so much fun. And th- this is just my advice. You got to yeah, build yeah, a legend, great right? Advice. Right. Exactly. You need stuff to pull from a good story. Cause when you're on yeah. stage and you're talking to teenagers, you need to be able to humble brag about it. Like I had it all. I, I had, had all. cars. <laughs> I had money. I had sex. I was having sex. Every two hours, I had sex right. with a different exactly. woman. But you know what? It didn't fill me up. Right, exactly. exactly. I her. No. Right. Well, Sorry. There, I mean, there you go. Sorry. <laughs> I see. I have such a weak ass. I, I had the worst. Te- I, I remember at youth group, they would have testimony night. Did you guys do this? Hmm, I don't yeah. think so. Oh, okay. Where you share well, you evangelicals did that. We all grew yeah, up. Many yeah, times. So even and I'm like, a, probably a senior, junior in high school. And it's like, the amount of kids, it sounds awful, but I don't believe them uh, that came up and were like, oh, you know, man. I was, you know, just not taking my faith seriously. And I was suicidal. I wanted to kill myself. But then yeah. I started reading my Bible more. And now, like, Jesus fixed that for me. And that was everybody's testimony. And I'm like, statistically, this seems impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can I tell you guys my testimony right now? My yep. serious testimony? Yes. Oh, please. I would be disappointed you didn't. Fantastic. Uh, When I was three and a half years old, I had been um, (laughs) indoctrinated with the word of God since I could have thoughts. And I had, I was being watched by a babysitter. My parents were gone and she put on TV and she put on a show that I knew I wasn't supposed to be watching. The show was Who's the Boss? And (laughs) probably halfway through, I felt so guilty that I was watching something that my parents had told me not to. And like, who knows what happened in it? Probably nothing. It's who's the boss. But for whatever reason, something clicked with that where I truly felt guilty. And I was like, this is what they're talking about at church. And I prayed right then, like into my heart because I felt that guilt. One time I opened up the, uh, I love it. See, and that's powerful. Like, and that's something you just don't have, like in the Catholic church where they're baptizing babies. I mean, come on. Wait until you're three and a half when you can really make that decision yourself. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I remember one time they opened up when I was a, I was so attention starved that like when they would open up the mic for like people to come share their testimony at church, like as a five, six year old, I would like just hustle to the front and grab the mic. And I remember at one point my mom was telling me about it, but like, I guess I went up to the front and talked about how like, I I think I described watching Benny Hinn on TV uh-huh. and you know he was like casting demons out or something and people would fall over and like I put my hand on the TV and prayed during the <laughs> the uh, Benny Hinn invitation. Benny Hinn. Amazing. I That's went to so Benny Hinn once. He puts on a great show. Oh man, did you actually see people get healed? Oh, uh, 
of just so many people, so many people. Yeah. My friend I went went with went up to get his IBS healed, which was funny <laughs> to hear over the microphone to like <laughs> three thousand people or whatever. Did it work? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Benny hit him with his coat, <laughs> and he clapped his pants on stage. <laughs> yeah. That was the cat out of him. Yeah. <laughs> They, I think somebody got healed of their like br- brain tumor like right before or after that, which was like, uh, you might still want to go check on that one with the doctor tomorrow. And somebody's <laughs> diabetes was cured, like also pulled off on they the- They smashed their insulin on stage. They're like, don't need this anymore. You're like, no. Yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. They, they asked for money so much during those things too. It's really wild. It's It really- um. You know how I imagine how it was for y'all growing up. They passed the plate once at some point. At these Benny yeah. Hinn things, they are reminding you that they need money and that it's a real investment in the God where the returns are. Who knows what? It could be infinite, maybe, um, like every 15 minutes. I heard now that they just put little mini conveyor belts going in and out of the aisles and the plates just keep coming and you can <laughs> pop it in when you need to. I'm sure they would have that if they could. Every hymnal has a square on top and you can just swipe your card. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have to ask you guys about, uh, so I was recently, we were talking about how the daily wire is now like producing movies. Have you heard about this? Yes. And I I was wondering if you guys have seen I haven't gotten to watch it yet. I I I'm dreading it, but I have to see it. But they their first one that they released was called like Run Hide Fight. Yup. Did you Banger. see it? Banger. Banger. Take it. Yeah, away. I gave it a five star. <laughs> Sorry, go uh yeah. Uh it was a, it was a great movie. Uh, we watched it at um uh at my co-host Julian's place, like a bunch of us watched it. There was like 15 of us watching this movie for some reason. Um, but Scott, were you there? No, I guess not. No, not that mm. night. Okay. Not that night. But um, yeah, it, it was, you know, I've been sort of, I've been thinking about school shootings a lot recently, unfortunately, by the way, I've, I do not like true crime. I don't like serial killers and shootings and stuff. It like freaks me out all the same. We watched a Columbine movie recently and I did yeah. so much research on Columbine that I'm now like, like, know quite a bit about school shootings and uh run hide fight here we have this new school shooting film and i thought it was like pretty amazing like i i politically i couldn't really pin it down um it was like kind of nihilistic you know i daily wire going in i had some you know impressions of what i thought it might be um but uh it was very interesting um basically the main part that i really liked was when the two of the school shooters like hinted they hinted that there was like a gay thing in between them but the school shooter was also dating his like sister like there was like a brother and sister and another guy who was like the main school shooter and then um it was cool like they were like all dating each other i thought that was very edgy and um subversive so very i liked it. I mean, that that's very all it takes cool. for me you know um, is there like a was- stan lee moment where Ben Shapiro just makes a cameo as like a, <laughs> a chubby cop or something. As a high school student, um, that would have been sick. Yeah, right. But, but no, it, it was. Good. I I can't remember the exact story, but I'm pretty sure it was like picked up by the Daily Wire. Like yeah. it it was already it was like its own separate thing, but a very interesting movie. I would recommend it to everyone. I I wrote like a very pretentious like eight paragraph letterbox review of it. If anyone wants to at ash nerve you can like read my whole thoughts there but like basically like the premise of the movie is that you will die 
I mean, just mean like in the world, like it's like there is nothing you can do. Um, so you better have a good attitude about it. Maybe get some like you know military arts training or you know learn some mixed martial arts or something. But like at the end of the day, like you will get killed. Like that's, that's very just sort of uh, final destination of them. I appreciate their bit. final destination message. A bit, yeah. Um, the, so yeah, remarkable film. I would recommend it to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to, uh, I know we don't have a ton of time left, but I want to get to, I want to hear from you guys what some of you like, like your, it's a couple of things, a couple of your favorite Christian movies just for any reason whatsoever. But then like, as far as just quality filmmaking goes, some of the absolute worst, and then some that you actually think are pretty good. That's a great question. Uh, Do you want to start, Scott? Define pretty good. Pretty, (laughs) as far as quality goes. um, Ash gave him a five star he gave them five bags of popcorn. Yeah, absolutely. Like the quality as in like cinematography, dialogue, even if like the message is traditional Christian messaging, uh, Mm -hmm. as you'd expect, but like the dialogue might've actually been believable conversations. They didn't sound like Mm -hmm. hokey or fake or forced and uh, decent cinematography, decent acting kind of things like that. Like that's what I mean by quality. Okay. So not just that it was unique. I was wildly entertained and I can't stop thinking about it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but I would put those That's under like good as in your ones you liked for whatever reasons at all. So like terrible yeah. cinematography and quality, good quality, and then whatever ones you just love for the for whatever wild reasons that you were entertained by it. Totally. Hmm. Um, as far as good quality goes, I think uh, honestly, I'm not ashamed. Was pretty well done. Pretty I was well I was thinking about saying that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, really like properly made. Um, the actors which one's that like again actors. I'm not ashamed I feel like that's the premise for most Christian movies not ashamed so <laughs> right. what is this one specifically about is this that's the Columbine exploitation movie okay. that came out in 2015 2016 16 I think yeah yeah oh, 2016 man. is this the Columbine movie late. you were talking about yes it's yeah. crazy the um, Columbine. If we have a little bit of time, we can talk about Columbine in a second. <laughs> oh well, I'm I'm always excited to talk about Columbine nowadays. Because I I almost brought it up when you first mentioned the school shooting thing. So, right. save that. If we have time, I'm going to ask you about Columbine as right feels on. like a week. Um, yeah. So but, recency bias wise, I think that one was pretty well made. Um, okay. Re- legit, well done. I I could imagine if I was a Christian, it being like pretty harrowing and like um, emotionally impactful. Um, Because I think that's something you got to take into account, too, when you're saying, like, is this made well or not? It's like, do they know their audience really well? Because if they do, then you have to give them props for that, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, One that I just love and will always love and will keep um, returning to visit is I Believe, which takes place in L.A. And and it's about a um, little boy who... His parents are atheists, but he comes to the conclusion himself that Jesus is real, picks up the Bible to read for fun or something. And um, then he starts praying for things and uh, they'll happen. Um, so he, he can he can just make anyone's wishes come true, basically. Like a genie. Um, in, yeah. In, including one of the first things he does is um, a veteran comes into the church because he's just at the church randomly. Uh, by himself because that's how serious he takes it and his did he pray him, for a car to bring him there <laughs> yeah i don't know maybe yeah he just appeared in the church um he uh and there's a veteran there who's missing a leg and he he prays for him to get his leg back 
And he does, like Cronenberg style, his leg starts growing back and it fully grows back. Do they show <laughs> it like special effects? Yes. Not to the extent you want, but yes. <laughs> it's like it's like a Christian version <laughs> of the thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll say that. Um, that one's that one's really amazing. I love magical kid ones who are just like their faith is stronger than everybody else's. Yeah, what's the yeah. point? What's like the? Pre- I mean, I get that that's happening, and it's like because God's real. But like, what's this? Like, what's that? What's the overall story trying to push? I just think that? it's supposed to be pushing that um, if you truly believe anything can happen, but. The fact is that he's the only one that that happens to the whole movie. <laughs> so uh, I I don't know. There was a call to action at the end of that movie too. I love when they do uh, that. Yeah, text I believe to everyone or something something like that. You know, yeah, really, that's like interesting. That. I love they that. always yeah. do that. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> that one's yeah, not, not even a common. strictly Christian theme. Like that's like one of the things that irritates me in movies is when they have like a the child oracle. It just has like right. this super clear perspective that all of the adults are just <laughs> too caught up in things to see. And this eight-year-old's like, what if we were all just nice to each other? I'm like, right. eight-year-olds are awful. Like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very unrealistic. Wow. And then what's one that you just think is pure trash, just cinema, like cinematic trash? Hmm. I can't say religious because that's not a Christian movie. Um, yeah, we hate that movie, though. <laughs> he is not aged well. I think everybody oh, hates God. him now. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Oh, my God. Insufferable. He, Completely insufferable. He is. I don't know why he still has a show that's going. I, I do not understand it. Although I, I this just happened last week to me. Uh, one of my favorite coworkers, super nice guy, super down to earth in his 20s. He just casually mentioned in passing that he likes Bill Maher and watches Bill Maher. And I was like, what were you 65? What are you kidding me? I was like, I was like stunned. I couldn't believe it. Like, well, Bill Maher's I guess in a we pickle because he's, he spent his entire career making fun of the people, like the only group of people that would be willing to overlook his N word usage. Sure. <laughs> right. Sure. Slow career suicide. Um, the, the worst Christian movie I watched was, uh, it was like a Lord of the Rings knockoff movie. Ash, I know you know what I'm talking about. Oh, uh, was it? The uh, name of it. Is it? It's not he- Heaven's Heaven's War. Not Heaven's War. That one's good. That's the. That's oh yeah. The one with, um, I'm literally looking through our like list. Like, oh, Heaven Quest. Heaven Quest. Yeah. That one sucked. Oh dick. man. Don't watch. <laughs> they phoned in the title even. It was so <laughs> bad. It's just just hard to watch. Very bad. Yeah, it was, it was kind of, it almost felt like they were just trying to make a demo to show what they were capable of if they were hired to do a real movie. <laughs> and there there was like all this world building without any interesting plotting or characters or anything. Very and tedious. It was, like, it was like just the lore part of something. Like if you only saw like, like if somebody wrote like a book of details surrounding Lord of the Rings, which I'm sure somebody has. I don't have to look that up. The Silmarillion. And, and, <laughs> right Wait, really yeah. sort okay. of some sim- Marillion of uh i don't really know i've never read it i don't really okay, okay. i've never read a lord of the rings book so i'm just unspitballing here <laughs> right on well if it sort of felt well yeah because it that is basically what it was because it was loosely based on pilgrim's progress which y'all are probably familiar with. oh yeah 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 okay they're still making movies based off that shit it's from the 1400s yeah. get another piece <laughs> get another piece of source material 
It wasn't even written by God. It was written by a man. Grow up. Maybe get a different maybe piece of source Maybe it's time to listen to Mr. Worldly Wiseman. You might be a little more wise. <sighs> have some more ideas. I don't. I will, I will never listen to Mr. Worldly I challenge Wiseman. somebody to just actually do something yeah. based on it really, really well. It will never happen. It's impossible because it's the type of story where it's like one character moves through and meets a lot of different characters. And it's like, well, oh, the the worldly wise man. And then, oh, I'm they call me uh, innocence. It's like, <laughs> shut up. Like, I, don't, I don't care. I don't yeah, care. They, that's, it doesn't make uh, a good movie. I went to a Christian school and our books that we used in school had like these little comic strips in them. And they had these like little Christian children that were in the comics and it was like an updated version, almost of Pilgrim's progress. Like they had names like, uh, uh, Sandy McMurcy and Ace Virtuson okay, and, Oh, right, that kind know, of bangs. <laughs> that kids were like Ronnie proud something and Susie okay. self will. Okay. Susie self will. <laughs> Love her that into She's... an animated series would be, <laughs> Honestly, oh, Susie Selfwill is really good on TikTok nowadays, though. Like, she's really coming to her own as an, as an entertainer. You're like five million followers, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, great yeah, job. She she's worldly. She reads magazines. <laughs> right. Um, Ash, what are yours? Well, I was like totally just like flipping through my letterbox, like while Scott was talking. So I, I actually narrowed down my answers. Um, as far as like, okay, a competent movie that I really like that you know I like, but I I appreciate its competence is um. I would say Mercy Streets, which is a David mm. A.R. White film. Um, it's just like, it's good. David A.R. White is like, he bridges the gap between Hollywood and Christian films. And you could totally like watch his film on, like if a rerun of his film came up on like some cable cable or satellite TV channel, you could watch it for a half hour and you probably wouldn't know it was a Christian genre film. Like they're they're entertaining and they're well-made. Um, as far as a film that I think is bad, um, this isn't really by Christians for Christians in the traditional sense, but we watched this snoozer called Mary Magdalene from 2018, which is oh. Joaquin Phoenix and Rooney Mara as Jesus and Mary Magdalene. And it's like, Oh my oh, God. Wow. Like the, the beige, like everything was so beige. Everyone was talking in hushed <laughs> whispers. Mary Magdalene was like a girl boss. It's like, grow up, please. No one wants to see this. Um, <laughs> I felt I was so bored and just like insulted i was like don't please don't waste my time i have to watch good movies all those um, clothes look like they were picked up from anthropology like one hour yeah, before they started shooting totally just very really? clean i've never heard of this yeah it's i would well, miss it most personally. people have not would, yeah, and they're supposed to I, be like it's supposed to be about their like secret relationship that no one was supposed to know about you know they don't like have sex or anything in it but there is this sort of like understanding between the two of them that like you know in in the premise of this movie they had a lot of deep conversations and they sort of understood each other as man and woman like jesus never like fucks in the movie but you know thank god i would because he's gay the, oh, well yeah 100 percent. as we know if you read if you really read in between the lines in the gospel you know ever exactly knows. but um as far as like uh good movie like movie that's just like this is one of my favorites even though like um it's crazy and it's has a style of its own i've got to say audacity uh which is by ray comfort um ray comfort as we all know is the um the man from new zealand who goes around college campuses with a camera and tries to convert like um, drooling freshmen to christianity and capture it on video so he can like pat out his films um he made this <laughs> he made this amazing epic peeling of a banana <laughs> Right. Yes, he does I, love to talk sure. about the oh. banana. 
um the band man as he's known yeah that he's he's he makes films post them straight on youtube um he gets many views but audacity is all about missioning to gay people and it is like i mean it's like offensive like if if you don't (laughs) if you don't like watching offensive things then you know you're gonna be like you're not gonna enjoy it but like i don't know i mean as a gay person myself i there's a certain level of like campiness that like homophobic things sometimes like take on where they they like veer all the way through the uncanny value into camp territory and like the scene where the christian protagonist is about to mission to lesbians in the elevator and then he doesn't and then he leaves the elevator and the elevator crashes to the ground killing both of the lesbians and then he regrets he's like if only i would have said something then the lesbians wouldn't be in hell like it doesn't get it does not get better than that like that is filmmaking me and and there's like god killed them to teach you a lesson exactly it's incredible and and there's like a christian stand-up comedy oh the stand-up comedy is like a big plot in the movie and then woven in and out is ray comfort's footage of him like talking to gay and lesbian people um like on the beach or wherever he is and it's just like it's incredible it's a tapestry of film wow it's It's a uniquely structured film for real yes I've I've watched it like five or six times. Oh, it's on on YouTube. You're going to love it. It's on YouTube. Just type in Audacity, Ray Comfort, or Audacity Movie. Like, it'll it'll come up. It's fantastic. It's like an hour long, too. Yeah, it goes down easy. Oh, my God. It sounds so eclectic. I'm really looking forward to this. (laughs) It's very artsy and eclectic. I think you're going to love it. (laughs) Do we have a few? Wait, did you say? Oh, shoot. Yes, you did. You said all three. Um, Do we have a few minutes? Or do we, I probably have like I have like five more minutes. I think then five I should more probably minutes. get going. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to? Do we want to talk about Columbine real quick in your the Columbine movie? Or do you need more Columbine, than five minutes for that? Columbine. I'll just I'll, I'll give you my <laughs> elevator. Columbine was crazy. Like you, th- th- lots of stuff happened. People don't know about like and all the stuff. Like it is. It's like a, a modern myth. It's like nine yeah. eleven in that it is such a myth of American history that like it has it activates it's like why is this still relevant like why why are people still so frightened of columbine like the filmmaker that we had on bill hellfire who uh made a columbine film and was like basically arrested for it in 1999 but still had a lot of trouble getting it distributed because like to this day like as of like just a couple years ago because like people are afraid of like columbine like sort of satirical media it's like yeah that's but, right I was gonna, yeah it's a, it was a satire film he made totally it was it's like intentionally in poor taste but many i'm um, ama- like how many films are made in poor taste satires but like why this one like of all the ones it's like it, it it's there's something really just at the heart of columbine that speaks to like the terror of american culture and like it's just so romanticized i mean all the like homoerotic art of the two killers that you can find online like people make fan art of them like kissing each other and stuff and like I oh. found the Columbine message board where people love to talk about the Columbine shooting. And there's a sticky thread on top of the message board. That's like, Hey guys, I regret to inform you, but yet another one of our members has done a school shooting. Um, at least two members of the Columbine message board Whoa. would go on to do their own school shootings. So it's oh, like, man, it's just like, it's insane. Like I, I can't believe that such a thing happened. If you were to watch I'm Not Ashamed, like you'll really get like you'll see at the heart, like the sickness of the heart of American culture. It's like so fucking crazy. It definitely oh is God. like it's it's 
so weird how many different narratives like spun off of Columbine that turned out to really not be. I mean, there's the whole thing we we recently talked about with, uh, you know, the the girl that supposedly like said she believed in God and they killed right. her for it. That's there, what I'm not ashamed of. It's, like, it's about her. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then there was also like this other narrative that like Klebold and God, whatever his name is. Eric Harris. Yeah. Eric Harris. Yeah. That they were like these social outcasts bullied by the whole school and blah, blah, blah. And they like definitely weren't. I mean, one of, what was it? Eric Harris was on the uh, football team and they were like fairly normal kids by the yeah. sound of it like from from their classmates perspective and stuff and right. it is weird how many yeah. different things went off of that it is yeah and yeah. like the columbine story is still so like monetized like the rachel scott family rachel is the one who was attributed yeah. that she told the killers that she believed in god she's the focus of i'm not ashamed which is a fucking insane film that everyone should watch it's unbelievable and like her parents like published her diaries, which they had a ghostwriter punch up and like every almost a, a lot of people from our generation who were in youth group were told the story of Rachel Scott yeah. as like, cool. this yeah. is someone who we should aspire to who was martyred for the cause. You know, we definitely got a lot of the, uh, you know, if somebody put a gun in your face today and asked you if you believed in Jesus, would you say yes? And like a lot yeah, of innuendo sure. that like that was going to happen someday. It, right. it kind of yes. goes hand in hand exactly. with the uh, Christianity is going to be outlawed someday. And are you going to be yes. brave enough to go to the guillotine? Another yeah, sure. Why not? Left behind reference. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would. Well, I don't have anything else going on. <laughs> <laughs> not if, me. I got to watch uh, more Christian movies. That'll be my that's excuse. True. I do want to watch. More I movies, said I wasn't man. a Christian so I could watch more Christian movies. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, guys, thanks so much for hanging out with us. Uh, I've been a lot of fun talking to you. I like. I don't think I, I probably didn't say it before we started recording, but we, yeah, we tried for a while to make this happen, and I'm glad we finally did. So thanks so much. So much fun. Yeah, I really, I'm glad we finally got the chat. It was, uh, yeah, thank you, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, same. All thanks right. for having us. Yeah. With the so obviously, boys Bible study available on all podcast platforms. Mm-hmm. You guys have an independent website, right? Mm-hmm. Go to boysbiblestudy.com. Follow Boys Bible Study on Twitter, Instagram. We somehow got that URL. We don't really understand how that happened, but we did it. <laughs> um, so please, so please go to Boys Bible Study on everything. Pulled through for you guys on that too. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> that was the name of the group chat where we would meet up to watch movies at my place and watch Christian movies. We called it Boys Bible Study, um, not knowing it would turn into a show. And we were ch- like, I tested out multiple other names for the show, and I just like. Uh, like gave up and typed in boys Bible study and it was like, yeah, available. And I was like, Oh, okay, damn. <laughs> so All right. Great. Well, we'll it's just do this, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, go, go to the boys Bible You can share our episodes. All right. Well, it was great to meet you guys. Everybody. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. Bye.